podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Well, hello everybody and welcome to the 353rd edition of the Boxing Asylum Nutters podcast. I'm your host Steve Wellings and joining me on the call we have Andy Patterson and Ozzy Smith. Welcome to you guys, welcome to everybody listening in the chat and thanks for listening. We will, we are with you every Sunday evening on Mixler Live, Mondays on YouTube, SoundCloud and iTunes. Lots to get going uh, from the weekend. We were just looking ahead at the schedule there off the air. A lot of fights on next week, a few Wednesdays, Thursdays, Fridays, Saturdays, even a Monday. It's all going on. We'll get to Tiafimo Lopez, Michael Conlon soon, Golden Contracts, all the other good stuff shortly. Let's kick off with Terence Crawford first of all though. I said last week that I thought Crawford would get rid of this guy in about five or six rounds. I wasn't expecting Kavalowskis to put up the type of fight that he did. He was tight and compact early on, hands held nice and high, trying to respond whenever Crawford threw. Uh, this shouldn't have been a surprise, Andy, because Kavalowskis has fought twice in the Olympics, so he was no mug. But I just thought that Crawford's spiteful nature would kick in some point, which it did. And Crawford, he can be hit all right, and he could have boxed his way home last night. But I reckon he fancied a tear up just for the crack. Yeah, possibly. I mean, I think some people are going over to- over the top, actually, over the score, but um, how the kind of fight kind of played out. I mean, some people went kind of do lally after Yuzik's last performance, Lomachenko and type of things like that. I just think people have come to that realisation or just, you know, they expect big things for the big top fighters, like the pound-for-pound pound guys, you know, and they don't expect them to be getting hurt by right, sh- uh, right hands and stuff. And I know we were probably slightly dismissive, uh, well, I know I was a uh, Kavalowskis and stuff like that. They call it a kind of tick-over fight for Crawford. I want to see him in the better. Um, but clearly Kavalowskis took it absolutely seriously, he was in fantastic shape um, for the first three, four rounds and stuff, he was causing Crawford all sorts of problems, especially with the right hand um, I, wouldn't, I, wouldn't, I would disagree with Crawford somewhat, saying as he said he wasn't, oh I suppose he would know better because he the one that took the shot, but I thought he was hurting at the third round and it should have been maybe a knockdown as well because he looked like he tried to hold and his own, his own weight momentum kind of took him forward, so to me that was a knockdown but um, he got away with one there but you're absolutely right um, when it comes to dogging it out, you know, nobody's better than bringing the big dog than Terence Crawford because he is a bad, bad man. We've said it before, you know. You, I think maybe Ward they call it right, right enough. He wanted to go into an absolute war face, and that's what he's done. And then you know, when he started getting the range down and stuff, he just started banging away. And I loved the wee uppercut. I think it was for a, it was either for the second or for the last knockdown. That we that we shift momentum, just that weakness half inch move and they just popped the right uppercut it was a fantastic shot fantastic ending and stuff but I think people something you kind of calm down a wee bit actually about you know how poor Crawford was as opposed to a point because we've seen him against Gamboa for example you know that was a great fight and Gamboa gave as, as, as good as he got in that fight as well so um, I just think you know possibly that Crawford you know he's, to me he sounds like a frustrated fighter he was talking to Andre Ward and that about you know potential fights not happening and stuff you know he's wanting the big fights and um, he's been in there maybe a slightly lack of disrespect and stuff and just says I'm, I am the man and you're going to yield to me at some point and that's what he's done so uh, you know, to me it was a good performance by Crawford but you know, to me, also at the same time um, he didn't switch as much as well as I think if he maybe switched uh, to orthodox and that as well as um, he might have you not know, have picked up as as many right hands as, as, as to what he was doing he could have blocked it with the with left hand I did notice uh, both fighters were trying to kind of you know try and get their fight there so they get their foot on the outside especially when Crawford was, was standing in the southpaw stance and stuff but you know definitely the, the, the far better you know, fluid movement was from Crawford and he made the, the big adjustments when he needed it and the um, fight went three rounds longer which you and I thought Steve but um, in the end he got the job done um, but as I say I'll disagree with him to, to the point as he was to me it looked like he was hurting that third round without question 
Yeah, Madison Square Garden looked like it was rocking. We're hopefully going to get somebody on later who was there live in attendance around half past eight or so. Just quickly looking down the undercard, wins for Josie Vargas, uh, Edgar Belanga, who, uh, Julian Rodriguez. George Cambosos Jr., I've interviewed him in the past. Nice guy. Got a good win over Mickey Bay. A bit of a split decision win, though it was. Um, knocked down in the last round, just uh, sealed it for Cambosos Jr., so a bit of a close one there. Yeah, sorry about the old throat, boys. Bit of a bug going around this household at the moment. So I'm sounding a bit like Joe Cocker, unfortunately. Hopefully everybody can understand me at home. Ozzy, let's go on to you. Fags, Starting man. with Forty that fags. knockdown in the third round, because I think there was... <laughs> Never. Uh, there's. I thought there was an argument for the for the knockdown because the only thing that stopped Crawford from going down was the fact that he was holding on to his opponent. And if the ropes keep you up, it's a knockdown. So the same should apply if it's the waistline of your opponent keeping you up after you've just took two shots. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, I don't really know why it wasn't called. It. Um, maybe somewhat favourable uh, refereeing. I'm not too sure, but yeah, felt he um, he got away with one there. Uh, I don't think he was badly hurt, but I think you could tell he got. I think it, it was fair to say he got caught. Um, don't think boxing on the outside really worked for him either. So he, he basically just took the decision and basically took the fight to him. And um, the, the finish was spectacular. Uh, I always felt he was in control throughout. Uh, knew what he was doing. I don't think he, you know, he looked uneasy or anything like that. Or he felt, you know, like he was in a fight and. Maybe so that, you know, people say, you no, know, he gets caught too much and things like that. But maybe it is a case of, you know, he knows his levels above these sort of fighters. And whilst the motivation is there, is his full concentration and things like that? Will we see the real best of him, you know, when he's in with the best? Um, that, that saying, I thought I thought the opponent was OK. Um, certainly put up a, a commendable effort. Uh, much better than I thought he would do. Um but it's another win for Terence Crawford. Um, did he really answer any other questions? Um, not, not really. Um, I, I certainly don't think he disgraced himself in last night's fight. And I think everybody uh, is just praying now that he does get the big fights in 2020. Um, whether we do see that, though, I, I'm not too sure. Andy, Richard Swig got in touch over on the Facebook page. He says, Happy Christmas Asylum. Same to you. Do the panel think there's anyone who can test Crawford at 147 now that Spence is finished? I think Spence, by the way, just on that one, will come back. But whether he'll be of a level to test the likes of Crawford remains to be seen. But, Andy, Richard continues, he beats Manny easily, schools the rest of them without breaking a sweat. It's such a tragedy. Do you think there's a lack of opponents at 147? Or do you think some of these guys could give him a better fight than Richard suggests? Um, I think there is a wee bit of you know, lack of talent. Um, I think, I mean, there's a reason why Pacquiao didn't want the Crawford fight. Uh, maybe he's earned the right to say no anyway. Um Virgil Ortiz, who we'll probably get on to later on, he's looking at like a red-hot prospect, but clearly no ready for likes of Terence Crawford. I think Porter could maybe make it ugly, you know how he likes to bull rush and stuff, but ultimately I think Crawford would end up picking holes in the, in the end, especially when he starts to bull rush him. Um, he's already beat Khan, I suppose, and that as well. You know, we've seen Best Putin fight another week there. And I agree with you, I, mean, I, I have no idea where Spence is at at this point. You know, who knows what kind of you know version he's going to turn back into the ring. Um, you know, Crawford's also even kiboshed any ideas moving up to 154. So I don't know, mate. I really don't know. I mean, unless, I mean, would Morris Hooker give him a challenge? Doubt it. You gas, the two Garcias, nah, I mean, you're, you're then talking about business across the street and stuff. 
and then you start going down to like your European level fighters, like say Sebastian Formel for, for Germany and that. So I, there's nobody there. I don't think as I say. I think maybe Pacquiao might give him something to think about, and maybe Porter might give him you know issues for a few rounds. That he starts kind of figuring it out and gets nasty with him and stuff. But um, I don't know. Maybe what about Josh Taylor coming up for 140? Um, you know Ramirez Postal. I think he's already beat Postal, isn't he? So. Um, no, mate, that's it. Maybe like said, Josh Taylor, maybe Ramirez coming up and that. I really don't know, mate. Maybe Progre. Who knows, Ozzy? Same question to you. Is Does it have to be someone moving up in weight, moving down in weight? Does he have to go up to get a challenge? I mean, who's going to give Crawford the challenge that he craves on a technical level, I suppose, as much as anything else? Yeah. Well, I, I think it's pointless in discussing um, about him moving up because he's kai as Andy said he's kiboshed that himself so we could talk about fights but there's no real realistic uh, chance of him moving up anytime soon so uh, I'm just going to try and pull up the rankings now just to see if we can um, you know to see if there's anybody who who can make 147 from that weight um, it's difficult because there's a lot of big guys at 154 um, I, I'm not too sure from that. Maybe coming up, the Josh Taylor fight would be interesting. I mean, Taylor's a big, big guy at 140. Um, do you think he'd lose some of his size aspects at, uh, at 147, Andy, or do you think it's something he could grow into? Well, I mean, it'd be. I, I think it's fair to say it's probably what. It's more his natural yeah. weight, mate. I would say. I would Obviously. say he's, he's not. He was not draining himself. I know that much, yeah. didn't he? And you know. I think Crawford was kind of dream himself at 140. Both are nasty guys when they want to get in there and tear it up. Can you just imagine like Crawford yeah. in that mindset there last night? Taylor would meet him head on, I think. Yeah. I, 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 I'm not saying for a big, I'm not saying for one second that Taylor would beat him, but I just think it would be, it could potentially have you know all the ingredients of a good, good firework fight. Yeah. Um. I, I mean, I would say it's at least 18 months off that um, as a minimum, really, because you couldn't expect Taylor realistically. I mean, that saying though. He's been matched harshly. Would he probably have one fight at one four seven and then say, right, uh, let's go, Terence Crawford? Um, I, I wouldn't be shocked to see potentially someone like David Avanesian. You know, uh, he's doing good things, European champion. Uh, I don't, I don't necessarily think you know it would, you know, it's not a, you know, like the, the opponents that we want to see him in with. But look, if uh, Avanesian can get a win at world level. Uh, then I wouldn't be shocked at that. Um, I've just pulled up the record of um, who else have you got there? Sergey Lipinets. Um, I think did he box? At, yeah, did he box at one four seven last time out? So, I mean, the, the ones that you're looking at, you'd love to see. Uh, obviously, I, I don't think Spence can recover from what he's the the crash that he's had. I think that'll take a hell of a lot out of him. I mean, when you saw the picture of him. Um, you know, like with the, the dodgy eye and things like that after the crash, he looked a real mess. Yeah. Um, no, I see mean, the look- is, see the thing as well, mate. I mean, the, the the body is a big, big tool, but it remembers a lot of pain and yes, weird tear yeah. it goes through. You know, and he's up in their age, but he's in the thirty, thirty-one. Yes, yeah, he is. Um, so re- realistically, you, you, I wouldn't be shocked if we don't see him box until probably this time next year. Realistically, because like you say, it's all right, you know being okay but then you've got to get physically ready again um we, we don't know really the full extent of the damage there could be a hell of a lot of underlying issues that we were never told about um um he is one for out, out the blue but what about someone like kel brook you know completely out the blue mm. brook looking for some sort of fight only says he wants the big fights 
um, no real promotional ties that are stopping him from going, you know, fighting on other channels, etc., things like that. Um, so what about someone like Kel Brook? Um, we, I, I don't really care about seeing the calm fight. Oh, no, no, no Kel Brook, mate. No, no. I, I wouldn't be shocked to see it, you know. I wouldn't be shocked to see it. Uh, I really wouldn't. Um, like I said, he, he doesn't really offer anything to Hearn at the moment. Like I said, he bangs on about the big fights. And I don't know, it's just... It's just I wouldn't be shocked to see it, but at the same time, then Brooke may never fight again. Uh, but yeah, it's a difficult one. I think the Sean Porter fight would be would be good just to see how he handles him. Uh, I, th- I certainly think that would be interesting, and no one could certainly, you know, like be disappointed with that sort of fight. Um, but uh, who knows? I mean, Bob Arum was coming out after it, saying, "Look, we want this, we want that." Well, look, the ball's in your court, court now. Um, Start negotiations, identify fighters, and try and make these fights. Um, but we'll have to wait and see from that perspective. Yeah, Sean Porter would give him uh, a fight that uh, style that maybe he hasn't seen for quite a while. Uh, we saw the fight that Porter gave to Spence, so I wouldn't be averse to that. Would Al Heyman, the PBC, let him go over? That's the question, I suppose. Uh, we'll come back to that later, boys. No doubt uh, Rob Kelly will be on at some point. Onto the undercard, explosive undercard, Andy. Tiafimo Lopez, an L for me. I said last week that Richard Comey, while maybe not beating him, me too. Would, give, would give him one hell of a fight, take him to the cards. Would he get a fair shake? Didn't The only thing was shaking was Comey's head after that first shot. It was an absolute peach of a shot that dropped him. And I was surprised in the onslaught afterwards. Someone as experienced as Comey didn't take a knee uh, on the rope, you know, go against the ropes, try to grab hold of Lopez for dear life. He just stood there with his gloves up, letting Lopez tee off him before eventually just falling into David Fields' arms like like it was a cry for help. Please stop this, referee. Strange from Commie, but do you think he just got caught in the in the moment? Well, no, to be honest, mate, if you look at the way he tried to get up for that right hand and that, he was like a fucking, like... Mm. He looked like he was a bolt my bolt of biscuit by that point, trying to get up off the floor. Oh, um, plus the the left took he took a few seconds beforehand was was a pretty brutal shot, and then the right hand just just kind of devastated it all. I mean, what can you say? I mean, he's he's arrived. Simple as he's he's basically come in and proven himself against against a, a tough veteran. And I did say last week that if if he came in there, no shenanigans. He's clearly got his situation resolved outside the ring, and uh, he's come in and done the business. Looked fantastic doing it and stuff, but. Um, at the same time, I'm a wee bit disappointed that they didn't go rounds because I wanted to see him tested to, to some degree. But um, it doesn't matter now. You know, he's went in there, done what he had to do, done it emphatically. And it's, it's a, definitely it's a signature win at this point. It really is. Um, just hope, just hope now. I mean, okay, you can understand, but as you know, 16 or whatever, 17 and um Title holder, you could, you could, you know, knowing Bob Arum, you know, over the years now, you just know he could easily put him on a different road, different path, and that. But Bob Father's turning him after the fight, and that, and he's here. You can see him lip reading. You can see it. He's just saying, "Listen, do not fuck this up." So you just wonder if there's there is still some sort of kind of issues with discipline inside the ring and stuff like that. Was he living the lifestyle? You know, maybe a bit too much. Who knows? But um, you know, I dare say, all the roads new point to to Lomachenko. He's been calling. For that fight, he's been talking a lot of shite about Lomachenko. So, you know, stuff sitting on that belt. And I didn't want Bob Arm to come out with his, his marvellous line of, you know, let it marinate for a little bit longer. Because we never got Lopez, Lopez against Gamboa. We never got Pacquiao and Mayweather until it was well, well too late. So, um, get these two guys in the ring. You know, Lomachenko's still somewhat close to his prime. Lopez is now entering his prime and stuff. So, you know, let the guys get in there and fight out and let them get undisputed best because... Um, 
So again, as I said, we just need to get this situation resolved in that because you've got WBC situation and that as well. And we've got three belt holders potentially at one point in, in this division. So we just want to get the, you know, we've got Lomachenko, I suppose, as the, as, as the man. But uh, just to kind of tie up all the belts and stuff like that as well for good. So uh, let's get it on. So hopefully we get it done in the next three to four months. And uh, we'll take it from there. But no, it was a fantastic performance by Lopez. Absolutely fantastic. Certainly was. MB in the chat says, I was so shocked Comey got dropped. A uh, couple of things that struck me, Ozzy. Lopez has going for him. He's only young, 21 or 22. If he can get things outside of the ring, ironed out, which he seemed to. His dad was in the corner, his wife was in the corner. It all seemed pretty harmonious. Bob Arum seemed pretty happy as well. I noticed what Andy was saying there. But also, he's a character, isn't he? People like him. He does the flip at the end. He does the theatrics, uh, all those type of things. People are going to know him. They're going to get to know his personality. He's going to start appearing on TV shows and that so he's definitely a kid going in the right direction and that knockout was of a teak tough and not a stereotype a teak tough guy uh, to take the IBF title so he's a world champion now it really is his oyster at the moment Lopez he should come yeah. do with these celebrations like before he does an ankle or a knee ligament or something like that <laughs> fuck's sake oh you could say that about Naz though when he vaulted the ropes yeah. Yeah. And things like that. it's if that was to happen, it'd be bloody unfortunate. But uh, no, like you say, he can be—he's a, a likable character. He's got a likable style, and he put in uh, the performance of the weekend and arguably one of, one of the year. Um, a lot of people, including myself, felt Comey would certainly pose problems. No mug. You could argue Comey could have been undefeated going into this to raise a thin decisions that he got beat on, and they absolutely destroyed him. Um, it, it, it was a peach of a shot and he, and he just didn't let Comey recover um, no one's done that to Comey before and we're not talking you know like Comey is he's, you know, like one of these just random tough Ghanaians that you know comes and can take all the shots uh, he's a decent fighter and Lopez absolutely destroyed him uh, it was a tremendous performance and I think Aram knows what sort of a talent um basically what he's you know what he's got on his hands and he's saying look do not fuck this up because literally he can be he can be one of the best um let, he, there's been he's been very vocal about what's it called wanting to fight Lomachenko so let's see if that happens um a, a loss for either fight would certainly not you know tarnish a career or anything like that and I think that's the fight we want to see I was certainly curious you know that if he came for you know like a bit of a, a tough contest with Comey that it could be, um, you know, like may maybe Lomachenko would just be a bit too soon for him. But but now when you're destroying top world level opponents like that, then realistically the only, the, the next fight for you is to fight the man. Uh, so think fingers crossed that can be made. But yeah, uh, a, a brilliant brilliant performance from Tiafimo Lopez. Uh, something that I didn't think he would do to a, that caliber of opponent uh, this early in his career. But he proved everybody wrong. Um, a hell of a lot of people wrong and as I say put in one of the performances not just of the weekend but of the year Looking across at the WBC then briefly Ozzy it is getting a bit like the WBA over there Lomachenko has this franchise title which means he can pretty much move up and down and do what he wants Devin Haney has the he had the WBC belt uh, FedEx to him uh, That was email, he was email champion there's talk of him defending against Javier Fortuna there's also talk about Haney possibly moving up in weight which would leave Luke Campbell there's whispers about him jumping in to fight for a vacant title against Javier Fortuna what do you think of all that situation? He's I, I thought Haney was injured. Yes, he's champion, champion recess. In recess uh, yeah. Right. So the so vacant belt's up. 
Yeah, sorry, go on, Andy. Go on. No, I was only going to make that. It's a vacant belt, but I forget. Is it, is it Jesse Vargas? No, not Jesse Vargas. Who the fuck Fortuna. was it? Fortuna. 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 That belt. Yeah, but I forget who against. Uh, but Haney's out for six months now. So, to be honest, it's an absolute joke. Um, I mean, six months is fuck all, really, in terms uh, in terms of look, fighters fight twice a year. Um, and, yeah, it, it's just watering it down now. I mean, Haney, as you say, got it FedExed, and now Fortuna's fighting um, for a what's-it-called for the... I assume the full version, and then Inter, Inter when Haney's fit, uh, will then come back and fight the winner of Fortuna. I forget who his opponent is against. Um, but I looked at it and I didn't think it was by, you know, it wasn't great or anything like that. Um, so, yeah, it, it's a bit of a mess, to be honest. It's, Luke Campbell. It's a real mess. No, it's not Luke Campbell. It's definitely it's been, it's, not it's, Luke it's Campbell. It's been ordered. Oh, is it? Yeah, I heard oh, Campbell as well. Right. Well, that could be that could be Campbell's chance, potentially. Um Look, look at that though it's an absolute piss take that Campbell not boxed since he got beat and um, he's now in with another in, in with another uh, chance of thingy of look fighting for another world title hey and he's uh, having shoulder surgery Ozzy I, I, I read yeah. somewhere that he might be moving up in weight even after the shoulder surgery oh. but that could be completely wrong I don't know well, look, there's no smoke without fire, so there's evidence that could be happening. Um, I've always my piss that, by the way. They, they, they did everything to get that kind of title shot, right? And now he's talking yeah. about moving weight now. Fucking hell. Yeah, exactly. Two weight world champion without even fighting for the belt. Oh, here, uh, exactly. The fucking deal. <laughs> no. Yeah. Syndrome, eh? mm. So, yeah, so it's, it's a bit of a mess, really. And to be honest, we can fuck that off. Um, I have no interest in seeing you know, all those. Cowboys fighting for that at the moment. The fight that I want to see next is Lomachenko Lopez. Leave Luke Campbell and Fortuna to do what they want to do, and uh, let's just have it right that Lopez or uh, Lomachenko would absolutely destroy the winner of Campbell and Fortuna. So, no, there's only one fight we want to see next, and that's uh, Lopez Lomachenko. Will that happen? Only Bob Aaron can answer that. Yeah, we'll wait for an announcement from the Bob Father. Talking of fighting cowboys, Gabe Lewis has jumped on the call. Good to have you on with us, Gabe. We're talking about Lopez against Comey. You may continue that thread if you wish, but Terence Crawford in the main event against Kavalowskis, Mr. Mean Machine himself. Did Mean Machine put up a better fight than you expected? I'm trying to think back uh, desperately to last week, Gabe, what your prediction was. Tell me about Crawford or Lopez. You start. Well, I thought uh, that... Uh, well, I mean, either one, either one was was pretty good. I thought that Comey was gonna um, get the fight into the middle rounds and and really put on some pressure and have a chance to knock out Lopez. Uh, but you know, he didn't get the opportunity. He didn't give didn't allow himself to get that opportunity, and he got starched pretty quick. Um, I felt like that was kind of one of those fights where it could have gone either way. Um, with one of those guys getting stung and getting put out early. Uh, Cause I feel like Comey has the, has the ability to, to do the same thing that was done to him. So um, despite the fight, not going a whole long, uh, it was actually uh, anticipated, you know, I was really looking forward to that one. Uh, but again, I didn't really think it was going to end that soon. Um, and then uh, the mean machine put on, Put on a pretty good show. I mean, he tagged Crawford a few times. Uh, I mean, he really caught him clean and and had some muster on some of those punches. But, uh, you know, I'll be damned if Crawford doesn't have a hell of a beard. You know, I've always kind of wondered what would happen if somebody just really uh, 
kept landing consistently with some good, hard, clean punches. And uh, Kavalaskis did it, and he couldn't get him out of there. It was actually a really enjoyable fight to watch to see Crawford get um, pushed a little bit. You know, it, it's something that we haven't really seen <clears throat> for Terrence Crawford. So the fact that he was able to, to push him the way he was, and, you know, he took a hell of a, pun- a punch too. Um, Crawford was really able to land some really good, clean, hard shots as well. And and Cavalasquez didn't go anywhere right away. So it, that was actually, um, honestly, a much, obviously, more fun fight because not only did it go longer, but there was a lot more back and forth. Um, whereas I felt like, you know, Lopez, if he, if he would have gotten into some middle rounds, he would, maybe would have had a chance to see him get really tested a little bit more and, and take some good hard punches. But, uh, I mean, I guess, I would, you know, he, he did what he was supposed to do and Crawford uh, did what he was supposed to do. I just never would have guessed that Cavalaskis would have been able to uh, uh, <clears throat> draw that out of, of Crawford the way that he did. I was kind of thinking that was going to be um, kind of your standard Crawford performance, long fight going you know middle rounds late rounds and crawford getting to but uh pretty good yeah gabe sounds like he's struggling vocally as well struggling sexually (laughs) maybe (laughs) starting to sound like tyson fury gabe's a fighting man (laughs) it's that time of year the little shit sneeze all over you gabe (laughs) do we really have tyson on this show The impersonation there—that was really—that was top notch. Was that you, Stevie? That was me. Good work. You know, last week I don't know if I got my predictions in because I might have been choking to death from uh, from Dave. But um, you know, if you keep that up, it, it, it's going to get me going again, and so I may not be able to finish the show. <laughs> Good man, right? So well, I finish it, no? <laughs> Let's hope if we can get to 9 o'clock tonight, boys, we shall be doing well. I will ring up our first and only guest of the evening right now. As I do so, Ozzy, going on to the undercard, I hope to God you've seen this fight. Michael Conlon getting his revenge, twice beaten in the amateurs by Russia's Vladimir Nikitin. He boxed to a 10-round decision over Nikitin. You can tell us about the narrative, the storylines, if you wish, but more about the fight, Ozzy. First of all, you saw it, I take it? I saw bits of it, so I don't know if Andy saw it because he may be more oh. equipped to... No, uh, the, the bits I saw, look, Conlon looked like he boxed um, pretty well, to be honest. Um, better than I thought he was. Um, I thought Nikitin was... <clears throat> I thought, if anything, it was probably a bit early for him. Look, the guy, I know like you know, you can bang on about amateur experience, but Conlon's had 12 fights. Um, he's had three. Probably still got a bit of that not amateur style. Um, and I, I just felt, look, uh, it was relatively straightforward for Conlon, to be honest. Um, they were always going to make the fight because of what happened at the Olympics. It should have happened earlier on, um, basically earlier this year. It didn't because of an injury. It's happened now. Uh, Conlon can put it to bed. Um, but I can't give any a real bread because I didn't see... Uh, the bits I saw, Conlon looked really good. Um, and as I say, Nikitin, I think I would like to see him, you know, in, you know, like five to eight fights time when he's grown into the pros and, um, and see how he, you know, could, you know, potentially put up a fight then. 
Thanks for leading us in there, Ozzy. One man who will know all about the fight better than us. He was there last night in New York as friend of the pod, Joe Kennedy. How you doing, Joe? How's it going, Steve? Not too bad at all. We're just talking about Conlon Nikitin. He got revenge then. Tell us uh, from your vantage point what you saw, how it went down. Yeah, I thought it was a, it was a very entertaining fight. I've seen Conlon a few times here in uh, New York. I thought that was his best performance. Certainly most entertaining. Um, Nikitin was a live dog. I thought Conlon showed his really good footwork and good sense of distance. Um, but he got caught a few times, got put into the corner against the ropes, and he looked a bit uncomfortable. Spot out most times, but still caused him some issues. I don't think any of his other opponents caused him. Um, but yeah, I thought, it was, I thought it was a great fight. Enjoyed it. Yeah, I thought Conlon boxed well. As MB says in the chat there, he kept his discipline apart from the ninth round when he started to trade. Uh, the cuts, uh, Jamie always cut it, cut quite bad. Michael uh, cut as well. Do you think the cuts and possibly a lack of punching power could be a bit of a hindrance going forward if we are being hypercritical? Yeah, I think the punching power more than anything else, you know. Um, I think against a really top pressure, or top uh, quality pressure opponent, like a Warrington or even a Kanzu, I think would, would cause some issues because he doesn't have that deterrent power, you know, to punish people for coming in. And Heaton just came straight at him the entire fight. I think uh, someone with a bit more nerves, someone who's a bit more high pressure uh, would probably cause him a lot more issues. You're obviously a veteran of the garden. Uh, right, the noise level on the atmosphere, was it one, was it one of the better ones? Yeah, it was, yeah. It was, it was in the main hall, so it wasn't fully packed out or anything like that, but it was still it was a great, great atmosphere. There was a lot of Irish, uh, a lot of Brooklyn as well, representing uh, Tiafimo Lopez. So when that knockout happened, like the place went, place erupted, you know. Absolutely. And what about Conlon moving forward? Bob Arum says back to Belfast, possibly May, August for the failure as well. But it's going to have to be world titles 2020. Yeah, definitely. You know, he's number one with the WBO now. So I think that's Stevenson's belt. I, I like that fight for Conlon. I think they're kind of two similar styles. Um, I think a top class opponent like Stevenson might bring out the best in Conlon as well. Um, yeah, I'd like that fight for him. I hope that happens next year. Yeah, I'd love to see it as well. A few people think Bob might steer them in separate directions. Just moving up the card then towards the main event. No doubt who the performance of the evening was. It was Tiafimo Lopez smashing Richard Comey in the second round. I certainly did not see that coming. No, I had Comey myself. I was a sensational knockout, you know. Really was. Um, I thought he looked good before that as well. He was popping out the left hand. Um, he ate one of the right hands from Comey as well, which I was worried about. I thought Comey... Connie's big right hand was uh, was going to be a, a big factor in the fight, but he ate it and then you know returned fire and yeah, the knockout was absolutely brutally uh, it, was, it was sensational. When, when he when he took that knock down, it was it was amazing. He's not just a one-dimensional puncher. I thought he showed good ring intelligence, as the Americans say in the first round. He downloaded the information, saw where Commie was moving, what he was throwing, and he put his game plan into perfect execution really early on. But I thought he showed a good boxing brain. Yeah, definitely. He even tried to eat a couple of shoulder rolls. You know, he returned it with the right hand. And although I wouldn't be suggesting he does that against Lomachenko or anything like that, it was, he definitely showed that. Uh, it, it was like the arrival of the superstar last night. That's what I thought. And what about the people around you on Lopez? Were they sort of um, in awe of it? Did people expect this? Was there a bit, uh, obviously a buzz when he was doing the flip at the end? Yeah, it, like it was a big booking crowd there. Um, so, yeah, the place erupted when, when he won, when, they, when the knockdown came. I think uh, if they do Lomachenko versus Lopez, it'll, it'll be in the garden again. It'll be a huge crowd because at the Lomachenko fights, I've been at, there's been a huge Ukrainian crowd as well. So um, it'd probably be a spicy tough affair with the Ukrainians and Hondurans, the, the garden. You know? Yeah, you've seen Lomachenko in the flesh a couple of times, obviously. What's it like when he comes into town? What's it like watching him up close and personal? 
he's amazing to watch just poetry in motion um, you know his full work the angles that he gets off Paul Crawford was great as well last night he was a different package but um, yeah certainly when you're watching Lamachanko you're looking at something special Final couple, Joe, and we do thank you for your time. We know you are busy. Terence Crawford in the main event up against Mean Machine. Kavalowski's fairly gave it a good go. Oh, he did. He kept the fight. Um, he did a good job. He was good. Uh, he had the right hand seemed to connect the first few rounds. He had Crawford hurt in the second. He had him down in the third. But uh, Crawford just dug his heels and decided to make a fight of it and showed how much dog he's got. You know what I mean? He was, he was brilliant. I really was. I was really impressed with how he got him out there. You know, uh, I think... Really, really good fighters or, you know, great fighters might have really struggled with Kavalowskis last night, but he, the way he put him, put him, uh, the way he took him out of there was just so impressive and uh, really, really entertaining fight to watch. Super talented, 32 years of age, well and truly in his prime. The time is now for Bob Arum to put his uh, hand in his pocket and really make the big fights for Terence. Yeah, Sean Porter, I think, would be a great fight. Um, I know the two of them are mates, so I think they're a little bit reluctant to make it, but just make the fight and have it. I think... Uh, you saw enough of Kovalevsky's having success against Crawford. You think with Porter's rushing, kind of messy style, he might struggle as well. You know, I think that'd be a great fight. Like Porter's out of a fighter as well. He's real dog in the fight as well. So you saw that side of Crawford last night. And I think uh, I think the Porter fight's the next one to make. I'd like to see Kovalevsky's again as well. I'd like to see him against the uh, the winner Kelly and Avanesian if that happens. Great shout. I think he's definitely earned his opportunity. Just finally as well then, uh, obviously uh, the last week was it? Week before, I'm losing track now. Last week, Anthony Joshua gained his revenge over Andy Ruiz. Uh, I don't know if you were at the scene of the crime the first time, but AJ certainly uh, got the belts back in emphatic fashion in the second one. He did, yeah. He pissed it early. Um, got a strange sense of deja vu when you watched the, the, the second fight. That, you know, It was almost like that's what should have happened the first time around. It seemed obvious. Uh, I actually had Andy Ruiz to win the second fight as well, but um, yeah, I think I think even if, if if AJ does that performance though against Wilder, I fear he's gone. You know, so I think he he still, he still needs to add more wrinkles to his game. I'd be surprised if he uh, if he, he, I think the pull that fight will be next, but I'd be surprised if he jumps in with uh, with Wilder or Fury anytime soon. A quick prediction on that one, Wilder Fury rematch. Wilder knockout. I agree. I agree. Uh, Joe, <laughs> always a pleasure having you on. Thanks for giving up your time. We'll speak to you again soon. Cheers, Steve. Appreciate it. Talk to you, mate. Bye bye now. Joe Kennedy there, friend of the pod. One of the good guys is Joe. Always listens in every week. Patreon subscriber as well. Lives out in New York. A man on the ground. Uh, what about Michael Conlon then? I suppose we've done that to death, haven't we? We shall move on. Uh, did you see anything else of that card, that New York card, Gabe? Before we uh, go back to the UK, where all the big fights are. Any Conlon for you? Yeah, I did see it. It did about the same for me that Conlon always does, which is not a whole lot. Uh... Look, I mean, I'm not saying the kid doesn't have talent. Um, and he's, you know, I think being associated with top rank, he'll he'll uh, be able to um, always have a, at least a successful opportunity with his matchups uh, that Aram's going to give him to look good and to have good opportunities. But I just don't see what they're selling him as. Um, you know, Rob last night uh, – we were chatting it up and it didn't really seem like he was understand what I'm saying. I'm, I'm not a detractor of the kid in terms of, I dislike him. Um, but he's not someone that I'm going to rally behind simply because I just don't see what's there to get excited about. I think a big problem for him 
is that he doesn't seem to have a lot of sting on his punches. And I think that's a bit of a problem for him as he as he continues because there's going to be guys that are going to walk through him and, and he's not going to be able to box the way he does for 12 rounds against some of these guys. He's going to have to stand in the pocket and his skills there are okay when he's fighting a guy like Nicotin, uh, a small guy who also didn't seem to have a lot of mustard on his shots, who was at a high and reach disadvantage. Um, and he was comfortable and he looked okay doing it. But I, it's going to be a whole other story whenever somebody is a little bit stouter and can stand in there and trade with him and, and, and be able to eat what he's given and return fire. And, you know, what you're talking about there is give him a tough fight against a, against a Mexican guy that with that typical come forward style who's going to want to be inside. The biggest thing that, that was Nicotin's problem last night was he couldn't get inside. He couldn't get close enough. He was constantly reaching for punches, and he was getting smacked the fuck around all night, which is what Colin had to do. But he simply won't be able to continually do that for 12 rounds against other guys. And so, you know, whenever I look at him, that's what I see. I don't see a guy who is what top rank seems to be pushing and ESPN seem to be pushing. I don't see a guy who is a a top-notch star in, and is going to have a really great long career and be able to do as he pleases pretty much with everyone. He's bound to get it once or twice, and, and, and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that, but I, I don't see it. And so I have a little bit of a disconnect there when I'm watching his fights. I don't really enjoy them that much. Um, and I feel like pretty much you're going to always get a distance fight with him trying to box his way to victory. Gabe's a hard man to impress. Not that impressed there. Jason Chukwu, we're all impressed by having him in the chat. Wellings, please nominate Box Nation for Bellew of the Week. How can they not pick up the Crawford versus Kavalowski's fight? Jason, I'm not going to play the sound clip because I've had a couple of soundboard bollockings during the week, so I'm laying off that this week. Um, I think you must have fell asleep. Box Nation ain't showing nothing these days. They're not just going to randomly pick up Crawford all of a sudden. They're done. Box Nation is done. Lee the Alcoholic Fox jumping in as well, backing me up. Jason's not happy. He's an angry man over in the chat with uh, nearly 100 other people as well joining us on this Sunday evening, episode 353. And he's on the call, so is Gabe, so is Ozzy. Good to have the boys with us. Maybe Rapping Rob Kelly will make an appearance. Maybe he won't. Who knows? Uh, Andy, just a quick one from you. You don't have to comment on this if you don't want to. I'm sort of putting you on the spot a little bit, but what a bizarre situation in Germany last night. Danny Williams supposed to fight for the GBA title. I'm going to read out this tweet from Tim at Boxio Boxen. Uh, Hawk1717. It's a good account to follow, actually. Just when you think you've seen it all, 2am in Germany, and Danny Williams, 53-28 with 40 KOs, makes his ring walk in civilian clothes, supposedly to face Gwenny Artak, 6-0, for the GBA heavyweight title. Williams informs the crowd he felt ill in the morning and can't fight. So, Danny Williams, 46 years of age, taking too many punches to the head, 70-odd fights doesn't fight and appears in the cre- in the ring with a microphone and tells everybody he's ill and he's sorry he can't fight. This is just another chapter in the bizarre career of Danny Williams, which I will add, Andy, I remember back when he was fighting for the British title, his wife imploring him to give up the game before he took too many shots. And this is him some, what, 50-odd fights later? 
Yeah, I remember speaking to Don Charles when we had him on the podcast and stuff, and I broke the news to him that he had uh, that Williams was fighting somewhere in Germany or might be in Lithuania or whatever and that and he says I need to speak to him because he needs to stop fighting and here he is that was like five years ago I told Don Terrells that and as you say he's, he's on the road everywhere Slovenia Slovakia fucking Russia he's all out of place uh, just anywhere to rock up and I don't know it can't be for love of, love of the sport it can't be surely Christ man but you know, what's, it's got to be costing him money to, to, to be fighting these days to go to these countries get put up in hotels and that you know just to come cheap so He's really either desperate for money, or he's got nothing else better to do with his time. As I said, it can't, it can't be at this age that you, you still want to be fighting. It can't be that. Someone needs to, as you say, if his wife's been at him and he's, he's still not doing it and that, then it sounds bad, man. But it's gonna have to, it's gonna have to take a, it's gonna have to take something happen to him in the ring to finally call it quits. But it sounds it. That sounds bad, but that seems to be the way it's going. Well, that's the way it's going to end up. Um, yeah, Jason says Danny Williams should have stopped after Derek Chisora. Guys are talking about him retiring in 2007 after he beat Scott Gamma. That's the type of timeline, fellas, that I'm remembering. On, on the broadcast, they said his wife doesn't want him to go on for too much longer. She'd probably think he's took too many punches. That was 2007. That's, that's nearly 13 years ago. And he's still going. I don't know, even know if he's even married anymore. He took a course in bodyguarding, I think it was. So he, he had things set up for his life after the ring, but... He obviously just thinks, well, you know, I'm going in six rounders, paying me a couple of grand, might as well just earn my money that way. But yeah, he entered prize fighter and lost to the fridge, Carl the Fridge Baker. Maybe get Mark Krenz out of retirement. Maybe Mickey Steeds, he could fight those guys again. I, I feel bad for him, it is sad. Maybe Keith Long, a few heavyweights from the past there, Aussie. Heavyweights of the future, could have been in action on Friday night in Planet Ice. Is that what you call it? Sounds fun there. I was maybe a little bit harsh on this show, Ultimate Boxer. I watched the first fight, Jay McFarlane against Mark Bennett, and I honestly thought it was white-collar standard, I thought it was pathetic, but as you rightly say, it was an opportunity for a few guys to get in there and show what they're made of. Heard big things of John Pallata, I know Terry over on his podcast had been bigging him up, so I was waiting to see what he had to offer. As it turns out, not much. Lost to 2-0 Danny Whittaker, who boxed very well. Nick Nick Webb won a split decision in a rematch over Chris Healy. The boys then eventually went on into the final, where Nick Webb beat... Was it Whitaker he beat, or was it Mark Bennett in the final? Anyway, Nick Webb won the tournament. Yeah, he beat Bennett in the final. Uh, yeah, I saw it got some stick, uh, but look, I think Webb picked up about 40 grand for this as the winning prize. Um, it, it's an opportunity for the lower-level fighters to get some exposure and an opportunity. Um, I, I would like to have seen a couple of other different heavyweights entered into it, just to raise the standard of such, but... But look, um, I mean, I was a bit pissed off because the draw meant my two picks, Sokolowski and Sandland, were uh, were drawn against each other in the first round of it, and they beat the shit out of each other. And it was um, Sandland got the win, but he was gassed going into the fight with Mark Bennett. And but he put up a great. Um, I mean, he got dropped twice, and I think it was just exhaustion. Uh, Webb, well, I mean, we saw him. He got knocked out off Dave Allen, and we saw him get. Um, well, beating up off Sokolowski as well, but he's bounced back. A great payday, by the way. There's some fighters that won't earn that at all, and he's just got that, you know, for essentially three three rounders. Um, so I think two, one of which didn't go the distance as well. So um, all, all, all in all, um, a, a quite successful night from his perspective. Uh, I saw Dave Allen calling him out, saying that they should do the rematch. Um I actually think Webb wouldn't be a bad fight for Nathan Gorman, who'll be making his return to the ring early next year. 
perhaps for the English title or something like that. Uh, I don't think that's necessarily a bad fight. Gorman will probably win, but Werby, you know, he's got a bit about him now. Um, I, I don't, I, I never understood the hype behind Jonathan Pollarter. Never really rated him. Saw him a couple of times and thought he looked pretty, pretty average to be honest. And I mean, three rounders aren't for everybody. But look, if you're getting hyped up and spoken about the way you are. You should be disposing of people like Danny Whitaker, who was pulled in at short notice. I, I think he replaced Sean Turner, uh, Irish Sean Turner. I don't know why he pulled out. Uh, Big sixty. Yeah, he would have been a good addition <laughs> to that actually. But but no, all in all, uh, it was it was okay. Um, like I said, it's it's not going to put your thousands of people on seats, but looked it quite it looked quite busy. Uh, I think it was in where was it was it in Altrincham? Yeah, yeah so an hour away from where I am but yeah it looked it looked relatively busy and it is it is what it is it was a lower level opportunity um for a lot of the heavyweights that traditionally go on the road or bill up somewhat padded records and then come unstuck when they do uh, go in with a more than live dog yeah planet toys sounds like one of those places where you go to do bowling and quasar and there's a wimpy inside and stuff doesn't it <laughs> so <laughs> Yeah, I, th- I think it. I think you're not find far off something. It is like that. Um, it's a bit of a what's it called? Um, yeah, like say, like a big bowling alley type of thing as well. Yeah, maybe we'll do a live pod from Planet Ice in the future. The sponsor us. Who knows? Many things are possible. Wrapping Rob Kelly's on route, everybody. He's put a message in the chat. He's about to join us, so look forward to that. Uh, Gabe, before Rob comes on the call. Question for you from Ben Thorns. Tyson Fury has obviously ditched Ben Davison. He has a new trainer. Ben Thorns thought that the uh, trainer was going to be Dominic Ingle. He says Fury to Ingle is a good idea, but we now believe it's going to be Sugar Hill, Gabe. Cronk product, Manny Stewart protege. So to reframe Ben Thorns' question, Fury to Sugar Hill, good idea? Ah, uh, man. I, I was completely blindsided by that news. I had... Uh, really no idea that that was going to happen. Um, <clears throat> to be honest with you, I just, I don't know why he would switch. And I don't know that going with with Sugar Hill is going to be the best option. Um, I mean, I don't know what he's trying to accomplish uh, with that particular move. He's never really been a guy who's going to be um, super powerful and knocking guys out and bringing along the the classic Kronk style, I feel like. And I just don't see him fighting that way. Um, and maybe I'm wrong, though. And, 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 and I've been wrong before. Uh, you ask my wife, it's fucking every day. But um, I, it's just one of those moves that kind of it's, it's puzzling because I don't know what he's going to do because what he's done previously has worked very well for him. Um, so maybe the change in trainer is for a game plan change and it's going to be to uh, maybe, I guess, promote him to do something a little bit different. And that's all that I can think of. I mean, obviously that's the case because he's going with someone new, but it just kind of baffles me that he's going to try to switch things up after – you know, he's gone on a spell of doing what he does and it's worked. So it's kind of difficult to, for me to envision the whole thought process of, of move. Um, but I mean, you know, I guess if you're going to train with somebody new, 
uh, why not someone who's been working with one of the greatest trainers of all time, Manny Stewart? Um, you know, R- Robbie, you'll come on later. Uh, and I know Rob's a, uh, was a big uh, fan of uh, Emmanuel Stewart and, and, and those guys that came out of the crunk gym. And I mean, it's it's legendary. Uh, most of the people listening to this show are very familiar with the Kronk gym and the legacy of the Kronk gym. So, you know, it, to me necessarily to say it's a bad idea, I guess I won't. I, I don't think I should um, because Lord knows that I wish I had half the knowledge that anyone who'd been around Emmanuel Stewart had. Um, I really feel like it's just a big puzzle to me. Um, but, you know, fair play. If he needs to do something different, uh, wants to go a different route, if that's what he does and, and he can pull it off, more power to him. I just uh, think it, it, over history, it hasn't really boded well for guys to switch trainers uh, very often. You know, you talk about De La Hoya had quite a few trainers. Um, Nazim? Uh, yeah, you, uh, I don't even want to go on the list of them. I mean, just so many people have had – Fighters have had a lot of trainers. It just doesn't seem to to go well. Uh, just kind of puzzled to me. I'm not really sure. Hopefully it works out from the way he wants to, though. I heard Ben Davidson failed to pick up that chick's phone number for the bar last night. That's why he got canned. <laughs> Andy coming in brutal. Yeah, good luck, to, good luck to Tyson and Sugar Hill. These things happen, don't they? Big fan of the Cronk myself. Spoke to a few of the boys. Andy Lee, many occasions. Joey Gamash, always very engaging. And Emmanuel Stewart. Uh, spoke to him on two or three occasions back when he used to come over to Limerick for the Andy Lee fight. It, it is a special place and that type of knowledge can't be underestimated. So if they're passing on down that to Fury, fine-tuning what he already has... I think it could be an interesting move. It'll be a good move. Uh, at least it's not Jonathan Banks in the corner anyway. A question for you, Andy, uh, before we get to Aussie on the Golden Contract, coming in from LF Doom over on patreon.com forward slash boxing asylum. He's getting stuck into Eddie. That's something we can get on board with. I see that Eddie Hearn has already started up on IFL regarding the AJ Wilder fight, saying that Wilder only drew 7,000 to Vegas for his last fight and that, quote-unquote, nobody knows who he is. By this standard, says Mr. Doom, are we allowed to bring up ticket selling and public awareness of somebody when Hearn tries to convince us that Canelo is ducking Callum Smith well I'm not going to get into detail about this by the way because the the last set of negotiations dragged on for fucking months and they heard all the same shite then as we're hearing fucking now right 50 million pound uh, 50 million dollars wasn't real I want proof of funds proof of funds were given you shot the fight you didn't want it Right, there's been other offers. Well, they're not back as well. Okay, I'm not going to get into the fucking degree again because it is fucking boring. All they're doing is, is jockeying for, you know, for position. Let's just bear in mind, Anthony Joshua, whilst looking good in his last fight, fought scared against a fucking fat, out of shape monster. Right, and he was still scared. He was still scared to over overcome it. Right, and you know, so. Th- 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 Let's just cut the fucking bullshit. This is them basically looking for fucking other avenues, right, to fucking delay the fight even further. To let Wilder slip that a little bit further, right? Now, I don't care what age it is when it's going to happen. At, at this point, I don't really give a shit if it happens or no. Because every division is shit, right? But we need one of these fights for to happen just purely for legacy's sake, right? But don't give us this pish about ticket sales and who's, who, you know, who does this amount of seats and who draws this amount of numbers and who's got you know the best network and all that sort of shite? End of the fucking day is this. The fans have called for the fight. Make it. 
right? Because it almost got Kai Bosch the fucking first time, right? You're gonna willingly happen to make it happen a second time because you know Wilder could easily lose to Fury, you know. Pulley have no need, isn't exactly a you know a gimme fight for Joshua unless he fucking punches right through him. You know Peter Fury's talking about that and stuff because just make the fucking fight, Eddie. Right, stop being a fucking prick. Just make the fucking fight. Right, there's plenty of money to go around. Everybody will get paid. All the Sky people will get to go in their fucking jollies because they all went there um, to Saudi Arabia. 140 of them, 140 Sky employees went to Saudi Arabia there. Right, so they're all going to get to go. Right. It's all about where the fight happens and what the split is and stuff like that. 50-50, and then you can argue about where the fucking fight happens. Because, as I say, there's plenty of money to go around. The American casinos will pay for it. No fucking problem. So get it fucking made. And quit with the fucking bullshit. Right? Because we've heard it all before. Right? It got so bad the last time, Eddie, that you decided that you had to send them daddy to go and speak to fucking Shelley Finkel. Right? That's how fucking bad situations go to the point is that they would refuse to return your phone calls because you were acting the fucking prick. Make the fight. Make the fight, Andy Patterson. Gives a shout out here on Sunday evening. Make the fight, Eddie. Uh, Rob will come to you shortly. Before we do so, Ozzy, let's get on to the golden contract. Quick lowdown from me, Brentwood Centre. I was covering it for the paper for Stephen Ward, so I watched every single fight. Yeah, Ward, they say he's um, not a light heavyweight. That's probably true, but I don't think his chin's going to be any better at cruiserweight. Real nice fella, but I just don't think it's there for him. Got knocked out in the first round by Ricard Bolotniks who, um, yeah, he'd caused an upset before, as Macklin said, so, or was it Darren Barker? He was a live dog anyway. Andre Sterling, quite rough and ready. That's got to be angry, by the way. What'd you that say? Questions could be fucking. That questions could be fucking <laughs> angry now. You know, because you go- just, just, just think back to the fucking bullshit the first time. Remember, he tried to get uh, Wilder to sign a contract before he fought Fury, and he, he set the December first deadline. Who does that? Who does that? People who try to maintain control and didn't want the fucking fight, right? Now you're fucking looking to make this bullshit nonsense again because Fury Wilder seemed to be getting on for a second time. So what does Eddie do? Ah, we'll just, we'll just fucking create fucking chaos in the background. He doesn't want the fight, and all his fucking lackeys will fucking fall into line and start trolling the cunt on Twitter with all their fucking bullshit, man. Just get the fucking fight made, and less, you know. So it says, how fucking simple was it? You know, remember when Can Canelo uh, got made? It came right out of the fucking blue. It was just. It was a nice fucking wee surprise, actually. A fight got made with no fucking bullshit in the fucking background. They went away and got it done, done and dusted, signed and delivered. And I, I'm sure they did the same with the Fury Wilder first fight. So there's no reason as to why it can't be done this time. But no, Eddie's going to fucking dramatise it, he's going to drag it out, try and get the wee extra bit of fucking pounds and stuff like that, if he can get it wherever he wants it and stuff like that. But I'm telling you, Eddie, you almost fucked up the first time. In fact, you did fuck up the first time. And Joshua almost fucking didn't, didn't deliver it either. So get your fucking finger out your arse, get on to Wilder's team, stop being a prick, we all know you like your fucking ego, we've all got one, but yours is out of control man, okay, your, your, your man did it, he pulled it back, but just, just fucking remember this, he shat it for a guy who was out of shape, shat it, and another thing as well is by the way, when he got touched, it looked like he was. He was. It looked like he wasn't. He wasn't fancying it again. By the way, so come on, Eddie. Right? You didn't really want to be able to fight because you fucking know if that guy detonates that right hand, it's career over, and your flagship fighter's right down the swanee. So just get fucking real. We've been through this shit before. We've been through it for nine months. Now you want to add to it? Fuck you. Andy seething. Don't wake up the baby over there. Uh, back oh, to the golden. <laughs> 
back to the big stuff. Golden contract Aussie, yep, Andre Sterling. Tough, rough and rugged. Nice and fit, but he couldn't get the job done against Liam Conroy. Got dropped. Conroy boxed quite well, actually. Uh, Dan Aziz, Lauren Suzuki didn't see that one. Tommy Philbin got outboxed by Serge Michel. And Bob Adger safe, playing it safe, as usual. Doing just enough to lose against Josea Burton, who I think, Aussie, will win the whole tournament. Correct. Yeah, I will. Uh, I'll agree with that. Um, I thought Burton looked really good. Um, I just asked decent. Just I, I just wonder if you know, like time out the ring has cost him a little bit. I mean, he was always up against it after getting dropped within what six seconds or something like that. He was always playing catch up and never really caused Burton any problems. Uh, Stevie Ward, yeah, um, and makes himself look foolish. Really, he picked him and his team picked Bolotniks and. He got absolutely levelled in a round, destroyed. Thought it didn't look great, um, but can you really see him doing anything at cruiserweight either, Steve? Um, I, I just think he'll get battered at that level as well. Um, good performance from Conroy. <clears throat> really good. Um, obviously, his last major fight, he was destroyed off Joshua Boazzi. No shame in that whatsoever, but uh, as you say, you can all, you know it can it can play on your mind, but. Um, he came out, looked completely relaxed and, and put in an excellent performance against Andre Sterling. And um, that Serge Michel, I've not seen him before, um, but I've seen Tommy Philbin a few times. Uh, never felt he should be operating at 175. And yeah, he's too small. Again, yeah, he should be going down to 168. Michel was an half-decent price, actually. Um, Ballsed up on that, didn't, didn't get any cash on it. And sadly, the Aziz Asuki fight wasn't shown. Uh, that was uh, pre-tournament, so we didn't get to see that. So I haven't got a clue um, how that panned out whatsoever. But no, this is it's another one of these tournaments. The, the by no means the best uh, 175 fighters in the world. By no means the worst, but it certainly gives these fighters a chance to get um, uh, regular dates in the diary. Um, opportunities to get wins um, and more to the point there's an opportunity with a, a major promoter at the end of it so yeah I, I'm all for things like this it makes you know if it gets these people opportunities and I will agree with you Steve I think Josea Burton's the man to beat in this tournament now yeah, big fan of the golden contract, me. Also, big fan of rapping Rob Kelly, who in turn is a big fan of Terence Crawford, knocking out uh, Mr Kavalowski's mean machine on Saturday night. Rob, tell us about uh, Crawford first of all. You there, Rob? Treading the the streets of Wexford. Hello, you. What's the crack? Can you hear me? Yes, can do. Uh, well, yeah, I saw all the the top rank high last night, which was great. Uh, over in Brussels, uh, managed to get on the crack stream there. So had a few jars in me. Decided to stay up and watch the fight. Um, so yeah, Crawford versus Me Machine. I mean, it kind of it kind of went the way I expected it to go, dude. I thought he'd have some kind of problems with Me Machine. I knew. Mean Machine's not on a lot of people's radars, but that don't mean he's not a, a competent fighter. And I suppose, I don't know, I guess you've covered it. Like, I haven't heard anything that's been said, but, I mean, I said last week on the pod, the more of these fighters kind of humdrum defences that Crawford has when he's on the other side, the more up, the more chance there is for him to have an off night or an ordinary night and have people then say that, oh, he's slipping or, oh, he's been exposed and that. He kind of had a couple of shots. I don't know if he was that switched on. He definitely, I, thought, I think that was a knockdown. But we've seen him. We've seen him hurt before. I think Gamboa. Did Gamboa drop him before? Or Gamboa hurt him before. Definitely. definitely hurt him. Um. So he's been rocked before. He can. He can. He can. 
I mean, anyone can get hurt when they get hit on the chin, right? So he's but he got caught flush there twice in the second round and the third round. But one thing about Crawford is if he gets hurt, he'll go turn it into a dog fight. So he did it. He did that a little bit. I guess the the, the footwork wasn't there. I never liked those sweepy comparisons anyway. I never thought he he was a thing like Pernell Whitaker. I don't know where they came from or who who first coined that one. But he's not he's not that kind of defensive fighter. He, I think he can get hit. Uh, he can take shots to the jaw, pulling out. His footwork is good when he wants to use it. But last night he chose to neglect it and just have a dog fight. And the finish was great. Like they dro- dropped him in the seventh, and then um, took the eighth round off after hurting him in the seventh. I thought he, he'd knock him out in the eighth round after having him gone, but then made the adjustment straight away in the ninth round and came out and finished the job. And Crawford, he's in an unfortunate situation, but not to worry. You know, he's got um, Timothy Bradley in his corner. So, you know, just when everything seems lost, he's got Timothy Bradley there calling for all the guys on PBC to fight him. So if that doesn't get things done, I don't know what will. Like, TB, TBE, uh, Tim Bradley. Um, Tim TB Bradley was very me. concerned as well. Yeah, Tim Bradley was having a mare last night. He was very concerned in the McConnell fight that um, Mick was getting drawn into a dog fight and not boxing. And Andrea Ward pointed out the irony of Tim Bradley saying something like that. <laughs> Fucking guy who got into wars with everybody when he could have boxed. Oh, so. He's trying too yeah, hard, Bradley, isn't he? Yeah, he's no, trying he's too hard. CTE. CTE. Oh, he's desperate. He's desperate. Just when I thought um, he, he couldn't be... He, I mean, I couldn't get, you couldn't get somebody to rival Bellew last week. He pops up with um, an abominable performance this week. But <laughs> no, a kind of routine win for, for, for Crawford. I think he's going to be the guy like me, Machine. He mightn't look his best because he's not switched on. Does he get hit with those kind of shots against Spence? Probably not because that fucking fight's never happening. <laughs> that fight is never happening. Spence is never coming back, man. Look, if you listen to the Bob Father going off this week, he's talking about it. He says he's got very good inside information that he doesn't think Spence is going to be back. His injuries are worse than he maintains, and he's got a heap of legal trouble as well following him. So we're not going to see that Spence uh, Crawford fight. Unfortunately, he's going to go down in one of the ones that got away, like uh, Brooke and Can. Um, so I think we're more likely going to see him against Sean Porter. Although those two are friends. Now, having said that, I'd fight any. He was getting four million last night for fighting Mean Machine, so I'd fight my friends for a meal and a hot shower. Yeah, yeah. So you know, if money talks, doesn't it? Like, so that all that friendship will go out the window. Um, I think Crawford, um, Porter will give Crawford the right fight because he'd be right in it with him. But I think Crawford will be able to box and make too many adjustments and just eventually uh, eventually close it out. But any, I'd like to see him against any of the PBC guys. I mean, Danny Garcia, I think he fucking knocked Danny Garcia kicking, Keith Tarman the same, Manny, all of them really on the PBC. I think Crawford is the number one guy at 147 now especially with Spence out of the picture he's definitely the man the, the man at 147 now whether he gets to unify the titles or not is another thing I heard him talking about he's going up to 160 can't see that I still think he's a little bit small to, for a welterweight to be honest with you I think he can make 140 no problem but if he was making 140 people would be complaining that he hadn't gone up to 47 so he's kind of in a no-lose hasn't got an appealing style hasn't really got the flamboyant personality but has all the tricks of the trade and all the skills and if you're a purist you'll love watching him even if he's fighting fucking Joe Blow. So um, that's really all I can say on that one, Steve. Given some of the uh, potential opponents for Crawford or lack thereof, if Al Heyman turned around and said, we'll send your Dennis Ugas over, would you accept that or would you be underwhelmed? I'd say he'd take Dennis the Menace now, man, at this stage, to be honest with you. Like, he's not fucking... He's not really... He's not in a position to make demands. As much as he had a high-paying contract and he's on ESPN, he's not a kind of a box office star and he knows that Crawford. So, it's he's not really in a position to call 
know, shots like a Floyd or a Wilder Fury. You know what I mean? To hear Bradley talking about it is easy to do because Wilder and Fury is being done. Well, like, there's a massive difference. You know, there's a massive difference between the the, the public profile of the fighters involved or that could be involved in a, fight, a potential fight against Crawford. So the public interest is not there really. So I don't know. It's a tough one for him. It's a pity because. You know, it's just one of these fucking bullshit things that we have to go through with boxing, with the promotional, the drug testing, the rotten judges. It's just one of the kind of things we accept now that sometimes the best fighters won't end up fighting each other, and that's just it. Just before we move on, the uh, crowd are demanding more rapping Rob Kelly here. Give us a word on Conlon's revenge and, and Tiafimo Lopez steal in the evening. Yeah, I thought I thought Conlon would have a tougher out, a tougher out against them. Um, Nikita than he so did. did I thought I. that was going to be a difficult difficult fight for him and I thought Nikita I think Conor said it himself afterwards he expected more pressure from Nikita than he actually got but having said that the guy's only had three fights and he's never been over six rounds before so I'd say he will make a dent in the featherweights down the line he didn't show anything last night but I do think he has the, the potential to get better but he did what he had to do like dug the body pretty much a punch perfect performance from him apart from couple of occasions where he switched off lack of concentration I got dragged into a bit of a scrap but you know I boxed the ears off him really like and I had it kind of eight rounds to two over the ten um world titles and that I think he's still a little bit off probably another year he's only that's only his 13th fight so I think you know while the Russian Olympians and and all that I kind of said at the time you have to learn the pro ropes too so I'd like to see Mick maybe have another two or three fights before going for a world title but I think it's going to be there from that was probably his best performance last night his most eye-catching performance in terms of you know just good work from a boxing perspective lovely on digging the body lovely on the hook hooking off um, his little distance he, he actually when he shortened up the distance on some of the shots he actually really hurt Nikita I don't know if he's sitting down on the shots as much as he could be um, but he dazed him definitely I think in, in the 8th round or ninth round and didn't even realise he got him hurt so he's not a power puncher that may play a factor later on in his career, but um, for now I'm watching. I'm enjoying watching him progress. Um, Lopez, I don't know if you came to me on this last week. I know we were kind of all over the shop, but um, I was predicting the Lopez KO against Kami, mm. even though I think Kami's a tough operator. I just think Bob Arum is the master fucking matchmaker, and he very rarely gets it wrong. And they were building Lopez. It was a star, you know. Lopez is kind of a star maker project for Bob Arum, and. Fuck me, he couldn't done it. He couldn't have done it in a better fashion, could he? Like the right hand, the way he set it up was fucking fantastic. Slipped over to, dipped over to his left through the right hand, straight down the pipe. Comey never even seen it, and from then the fight was over. I mean, when you see a fella go down like that, and and back up in succession and back over, you kind of normally the referee has stopped the fight. I don't even know if he saw that because he kind of dropped right in front of him, um, and then he was just cannon fodder on the ropes, wasn't he? So. Thankfully, it was over quickly for Comey. I think he'd come again. He didn't have to sustain any type of punishment. And in reality for him, he probably just got got caught cold. He's going to kick himself. He didn't get to impose his style on Lopez. Whether Lopez is the real deal or not remains to be seen. But from what I've seen of him so far, and we had tough moments in not this fight, in his last fight, maybe the fight before last. But he's learning on the, he's learning on the job as well. He's only a kid. Um, but the power is real with Lopez, real in either hand, left hook, right hand. He's got it. Like he's got a real fucking detonator in in, uh, in either hand. So, I mean, it makes it interesting for Lomachenko. I still think Lomachenko boxed the ears off him. Um, but you know, it's, it makes it a more interesting fight, or a fight that we all want to see kind of more now with, with Lomachenko rather than 
uh, guys that you know that are not going to cause them any problems at all. And not that Lopez is going to cause them problems, but the the power is going to be a factor and make it interesting. So. Yep, interesting factor with the power for Lopez going forward. Jürgen Bremer returns next week against Jürgen Doberstein over in Germany. Not a great deal of interest in that. Quick comment from you, Ozzy, in response to a question from Craig Mastro, one of your favourite subjects. Is Tom Little being groomed as the new Dave Allen? Dave Allen looks like he's been sacked off by Eddie. Could Tom Little fill that void? Quite possibly. I mean, he was sent over to, um, to the, where was it, uh, Saudi... Uh, completely out of his debt, probably got a nice little payday and destroyed him. Yeah, Edward needs, you know, like a, a fat heavyweight to have on his books to chuck in completely out of the depth. And if Alan's out of the picture, Tom Little has uh, certainly stepped into his steps. I mean, the fight to make is obviously Tom Little, Dave Allen. Uh, the fans want it, the people want it, Eddie wants it. Uh, let, let, let's get it made. For, for me, it's the fight to make. Pr- probably chuck it on a pay-per-view as well. And we could say like the, the winner becomes uh, Edward's favourite um, go-to man. What, what what do you think of that? So You could yeah. have like on the UFC where they had the BMF belt. You could have it a BMF belt, but you could have it, uh, the banter motherfucker belt instead of the bad motherfucker. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, the the ba- ban- yeah ban- banter belt on the line, Rob. I'm I'm, I'm all for that. Uh, WBC will probably make some sort of belt for that. World banterweight champion. Yeah, exactly. Let, let let's get it done. Yeah, Alan Little, world banterweight. Cha- um, yeah, banterweight champion. Let's get it done. Uh, WBA, WBC will be queuing up to uh, chuck a belt at that, and uh, Edward will lap that up. So yeah, without a doubt. Solomon will be loving that one. Evening, Eddie. You're getting that one for free, man. You're getting that for free. You should be fucking paying us for that one. You're getting that for free. Oh, I can see it now. Cooking on the IFL. What about this banterweight belt? Oh, fucking hell, man. You're getting that for nothing. Oh, yeah, Ed. Andy, uh, Ryan Deal threw in a question. He said, in retrospect, was Glenn McCrory's Deontology Wilder versus Paul Smith tweet the best ever written? I was thinking about uh, Glenn McCrory the other day, actually. I was watching some old Lennox Lewis fights. Glenn, he wasn't the best in the world, but I think him and Ian Dark had a bit of good chemistry, and you kind of miss Glenn being on the mic. I mean, for the fact that he's sozzled 99% of the time, he definitely uh, knew his boxing. He can drink like... Yeah, oh, he definitely can. Someone said to me once he's had more wives than Henry VIII as well, but, I mean, the guy knows his boxing. I'd like to see Glenn back on the mic again, wouldn't you? I would love to, but I think he calls it too straight nowadays for the for the company line. And uh, it doesn't fit in nowadays, does it? You know, you either kiss ass, stay in a job, or, you know, you know, you deviate from it, and, you know, it's just like everything else. You know, you get, you get tossed out of just a no bugger. So, uh, yeah, it's a shame, actually, but... Um, as I say, I had a couple of drinks with Glenn before, and as I say, you know, fuck me, people, I can drink whiskey. Fucking hell, man, you've never met Glenn, Glenn, Glenn McCrory. And by the way, never light a cigarette next to him when that guy's in a drink as well, by the way, fuck me. Glenn McCrory, TBA, getting back on the microphone as well. No shout out to Porky Russ, because he always mentions about Clinton Woods as well. And he's a straight talker, the likes of Clinton Woods. He comes on and tells it straight, tough guy in the ring, tough guy out of the ring. Uh, what about Glenn back on the mic rapping Rob Kelly alongside you? You could do be a double act. Yeah, I'd be down for that, man. I was, I was a fan of McCrory, to be honest with you. I really enjoyed him when he was uh, a commentator. I didn't think he was, like, compared to what we have today, like Andy said, it's fucking atrocious. On all networks, not just Sky. You can't just single Sky out for it. It used to be just Sky. Now they're all following the same suit. Um, have you covered the revelations about the Fury trainer yet, or am I jumping the gun there? Gay, uh, bri- Gay briefly covered it, so you can add to his already excellent analysis. 
Well, I didn't hear what he said. So, um, but is, is it true he's going to Andy Lee? Uh, Sugar Hill. Sugar Hill. Sugar oh, he's going to Sugar Hill. Oh, he's going to Sugar Hill. Right, 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 right. Fuck me. Yeah, Jesus. Um, interesting. Interesting. I don't. I, I think Fury's the kind of guy that he doesn't really need a coach that much. To be honest with you, he just needs routine. He likes to. And if he feels things are gone stale, he'll switch it up. I mean, you're not going to really. What are you going to change in his style? Like, his style is kind of developed, and his style is what it is. So, I mean, they work on certain shots and setups. I think uh, Sugar Hill's very good at that. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. I think I I kind of said last week. I think he's got one foot out. Uh, I saw him give an interview with Michelle Joy Phelps, and I think that fucking Brock Lesnar fight is nearly done deal in the UFC. So he could be just looking at this one on a way out, like. And maybe that's. I don't know what the reasons. But has anyone got any insight into the reason behind the split or anything? Nope, don't know. He might, he might no. just feel that Davidson's done all he can do for him. Uh, he, Davidson did a great job. Uh, he got mm. him fit, got him enjoying boxing again. But maybe he just feels that if he's going to be, I think he's going to be based out in America. For the yeah, he probably has to be based coach. Saunders is away yeah. as well, as you know. Um, Saunders is back with Dominic Ingle now. Yeah, yeah I thought that. Um, it's so, interesting. Yeah. Is, is, he no train, is he not training one of the. Who's he? He's training a foreign fighter than you, actually. Who's it? No one of the, oh, the French no. boys. Oh, it was yeah. in the French Coley, was it? No, it's. No, it's no O'Bally, but it's his fucking name. French guy. I'm sure it was a French fighter. Or is it a Mexican guy? I mean. You want a bit no, Davis. Oh, sorry. Oh, it was Mohamed Rabi, isn't it? Yeah, that's that, who it is, Mohamed Rabi. Mohamed Rabi. Rabi. Um, but I, I agree with Rob. Um, I, I said that off the air that Fury doesn't really need a trainer. Um, you're not going, like you said, you're not going to change his style, skills, etc. You're just just sharpening the tools essentially. And look, if that works for him, good on him. But it's a big call, you know. What is it? Less than a couple of months away from probably, arguably, the biggest fight of your now career. And you're uh, you're changing the trainer again, um, but fingers crossed it works. He, he seems to be enjoying it out in America. I think he likes being out there because he's well liked and supported, and people show yeah. him respect. I mean, he had a. I think on- you underestimate him, and you write him off at your peril. Because I, 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 you know, I was very, very skeptical about him taking the first Wilder fight. Yeah. And after three years off, and he went in and did what he did. So I'd be, I say you write him off at your peril. Like he, he could, he could go out and put on a masterclass, and maybe. Because uh, Sugar Hill worked with Vladimir for so long, they're going to work on on keeping Wilder at bay and nullifying him and just c- coming out with the win definitively this time. Look, we've, we've seen what happens. Stick Fury in with a substandard opponent and he drops his levels because he doesn't really care and he'll either get them out of there, Rory. He boxes to like a, a boring decision win. Uh, chuck him in at a higher level and, and look in the two times he's done that, he's performed extremely well. So... As you say, Rob, write him off at your peril because he's definitely a live dog going into this fight in in uh, February. He's not got that weight to shift anymore. He's in good shape. Uh, won't have any, you know, like jet lag issues either or anything like that. He's out in America already. He's obviously set up camp there. He'll be training now. So uh, it's it's a good move, good move for him. I think it, it's a good move, and it's certainly going to be interesting to see that. Look, they're not going to. They're not going to think of you know like do anything drastically now in two months' time, but um, it could be the the fine margins that make the difference, and Sugar Hill could bring that for him. 
Gabriel, back to the serious stuff. Next weekend, multitude of cards over in California. Uh, Al Heyman leading the way as usual over on Fox Sports 1 in association with Tom Brown. Tony Harrison, WBC super welterweight champion, uh, going in against Jamel Charlo in a rematch. Obviously, Harrison upset Charlo the first time. Woo! The Nigerian nightmare, not Sam Peter. It's Effie Jagba back from his injury, going in a 10-rounder against Iago Kaledzi. And hopefully, Jack Tapora can make weight this time against Oscar Escandon. Harrison Charlo rematch, Gabe. Is it going to be repeat or revenge? One game. It could be a repeat. Um, I don't think it will be. Uh, I'm going to go with Charlo to to take the strap back and win this fight. Um, <clears throat> I felt like in the first fight, it was close enough that really it was an off night for Charlo uh, in the fact that I just didn't think he performed as well as he has before. So uh, just to keep my analysis short, because uh, my, my voice is getting worse by the minute. I, I just have a feeling that Charlo's going to be able to do the business this time and take care of it. But it wouldn't surprise me to see it go the other way just as well. Nice one to John Fury for coming on and giving his analysis there. <laughs> Gabe sounds like we know when a relative's dying and he's sort of, <laughs> take care of the land for me, son. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I need to get the will out. Poor old Gabe. He's struggling on on this Sunday evening with us or Sunday afternoon, whatever the hell it is over there in Texas land. It's, it's the afternoon. And I just got to say, this is why we're the fucking people's pod. Rain, snow, it'll never stop us. We'll always be here. Crying like a little bitch. <laughs> Goddamn right. <laughs> Go on again. Ozzy, uh, Jason Chukwu just reminded me there. I've forgotten about Joe Hughes, David Avanesian. Brief Spanish rundown for us from the week. Yeah, short and sweet. Uh, Avanesian absolutely destroyed his uh, undermatched opponent, but he did it in the right way. Uh, absolutely annihilated the uh, the Spanish guy and just wiped him out. Um, by all accounts, the next uh, fight for Avanesian is going to be Josh Kelly, should he win at the weekend. So, look they've come out and said that I know we all know for a fact that Carl Greaves and Neil Marsh want this fight um, the, the ball is well and truly in Adam Booth and Josh Kelly's uh, court because we saw last time they had no hesitation in pulling out on the day of the fight fingers crossed they don't do that this time but I think uh, from what we've seen from Avanesian in his past three fights he'll absolutely destroy Josh Kelly I think uh, he'll get to him and I think he'll knock him out uh, as for Joe Hughes um yeah, just couldn't really get going against Sandor Martin. Thought it was a pretty slick performance from the Spaniard. Um, decent, solid win, solid fighter. Um, Hughes can certainly come again. Uh, always does it the hard way. And there's always opportunities for people like Joe Hughes who uh, you know, need to go in the away corner up against the odds. So, obviously disappointing that he, um, he couldn't get the result on the road. But I certainly don't think that is career over for him. Yep, plenty more opportunities for Joe Hughes. A question flying in for you, Rob, from Men's Luxury Fitness. Uh, dream ring walk lineups, uh, dream ring walk link ups, in fact. Mine would be B Hop with DMX, says Mr. Fitness. I think psychologically that would have destroyed a lot of opponents before they got in the ring. Unfortunately, DMX might have been psychologically destroyed himself. <laughs> he's, fucking, uh, he's known for his uh, 
dibbling and dabbling in the in the crack world. Uh, legend, push here, no? legend, legend, of, yeah, legend of music with it. Scott, he's he's up there with um with Broner. Oh. <laughs> he's, he's on the pound for pound list with Broner. Um, I once was opening up for DMX one, one time actually, and he had cancelled his previous Dublin show, and uh, there was a crowd waiting to get in to the old ambassador. And uh, five minutes to go, and the promoter announced that he wasn't he wasn't coming either on that night. And Dublin crowds are very accepting the things like that and they were so happy they started throwing <laughs> bottles of Heineken at the front of the ambassador and I stuck inside it <laughs> uh, dream ring walks though I don't know man fucking it doesn't matter it doesn't matter a fuck does it whether it's Stormzy coming to the ring with AJ or Roy, uh, Roy Jones coming to the ring with Red Man and the Man you really have to do it in the ring so you can bring whoever the fuck you want to the ring they can't fight with you so not really sure on that one. I've got one for you, Rob. What about Vinnie Paz wrapping Vinnie Paz to the ring? That'll be a good one. What about what about Rod Stewart coming out with uh, Carl Frotch? <laughs> <laughs> or Boris Johnson? Him and Frotchy. They get on well, man, too, there. <laughs> oh, dear. Yes, indeed. Uh, touching on Vinnie Paz, actually, as the great Vinnie Paz once said, the enemy ain't Saudi, the enemy is around me, LF Doom, throwing one in here. How out of touch from boxing must you be to take an event to Saudi Arabia and pretty much act as your own commission, yet you choose Ian John Lewis to referee two fights? I think we covered that one last week. Good to see Ian John Lewis getting a bit of work out there in Saudi. We have a Hall of Fame question as well coming in from Matt Dobson. We'll get to that shortly. What else have we got on the agenda for next week? Let's flick through the tags here and see what we've got. Dennis Lebedev going in against Tabizo Machunu, vacant WBC silver cruiserweight title in Russia. Anything briefly from you on that, Andy? Any interest at all? Oh, I dare say I'll tune in just to see Kudryashov if he's going to get iced or if he's going to ice his opponent in one round. Um, Machunu, this fight just came right out of the blue for me, actually. So I don't know what kind of camp they've had and stuff. So I'd probably say Lebedev will probably win it. I don't know where he's at these days. He must be pushing 40. Um, Ozzy was asking the question as well. Ozzy, was there like, some serious injury with him? I think there was. I don't know if it was his eye socket or if it was a brain scan or whatever and stuff. Machuno usually is, you know, he's usually a, a tough fighter. He's small, he's compact. Um, but I don't know, man. He's, he's on the road again. And he's... When, when you're, I, I know the, 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 the Oosthausen fight was bullshit and stuff, but... I just think um, him being on the road and that, I think Lebedev, who generally is quite powerful, will probably probably either pull it out on points or maybe get a late stop, which I would think. But Machino's usually quite cagey and usually is, at some point, you know, decent value. But I don't know where he's at these days, actually, to be honest. I've not seen him for about, what, two years or something like that, so I don't know what he's at there at the minute. Ryan Deal's thrown in a question about fights of the decade. I think we'll keep that one for next week. I'll hit the boys up with that during the week, try and come up with some ideas. Uh, Gabe, over in Australia, uh, Wednesday evening, the big rematch that everyone's looking forward to. Michael Zarafa unexpectedly um, stripped Jeff Horn of his Oceana titles with a knockout back in, when was that, August time, end of August. They're having a rematch in the Brisbane Convention and Exhibition Centre. You're probably not going to be there at such short notice, but do you think that Jeff Horn is going to get revenge against Michael Zarafa? If he doesn't, it could be a career-defining fight for him. What do you think about Horn and Zarafa too, Gabe? Could not give a fuck. No interest from Gabe on that one. We should move on very swiftly. Don't want to upset him. Uh, what should we go on to? I'm not hit Rob with Japan. Probably get the same sort of answer. Daniel Dubois, Aussie, Copper Box Arena. 
uh, going in against Koyotaro Fujimoto, the guy who turned up with a panda at the press conference, quite the character. Alantes Fox, six foot five inches of him at middleweight, once lost to Demetrius Andrade, goes in against Liam Williams. It'd be interesting to see how Liam Williams deals with his size. Fox, and if he lets his hands go, Marshall Braithwaite against Sonny Edwards as well, decent fight. Lucian Bran, uh, Lucian Reed, sorry, James Branch, who's been on this show, and Tommy Fury. Maybe they'll stick him in against Sullivan Barrera, as the Bellew of the Week suggested a while back. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Close to Christmas, this one. Looking forward to this show. Dubois against Fujimoto, first of all. Is Fujimoto going to be uh, Richard Larty, or is he going to be more of an Ebenezer Tete? Uh, certainly, certainly an Ebenezer Tete. Um, I don't see going this, this going more than a couple of rounds, to be honest. Uh, a bit of a disappointing opponent for Dubois, to be honest, but I genuinely think they're struggling to match him. I think there's... There's obviously not loads of, you know, like, what, what what's the the upside is you can take an undefeated prospect, but at the end of the day, he's a, he's a British and Commonwealth champion. Uh, so, yeah, so they're, they're having to pull, like, opponents. I've, I'd never heard of this guy whatsoever until it was announced. And, look, it's going to be a knockover job for Dubois. Um, he's certainly been active this year, uh, which you, you can't fault. Um, obviously, the highlight being the Gorman fight, but... I'm hoping that after this, we're not going to see the likes of your your Fujimoto's coming over again to fight uh, Daniel Dubois. We certainly want steps up and in the right direction. None of these bullshit. Oh, he's ranked like 12 with the WBA. That's why we're fighting him. Uh, Liam Williams, uh, Alantes Fox. Uh, again, I've not seen a lot of Fox whatsoever. However... Um, it's a good fight for Williams because it puts him the mandatory to uh, Demetrius Andrade if he can win. So it may not be the sexy fight that we've all wanted. However, there's a hell of a lot on the line for Williams. Um, he, he's not put a foot wrong at middleweight. This guy certainly poses another problem to him because, look, six foot five is massive. At that. I don't know how, how well he is, you know, like how he's built at the weight. Does he struggle to make it or not? But. Um, Naturally, I would side with Williams. I don't think this would have been made otherwise. Uh, Edwards Braithwaite, good fight, brilliant fight. Um, happy, happy with this. Good to see somebody finally step up and willingly take on Sonny Edwards for the British title. A uh, bit, bit of beef between these two. Uh, been slagging each other off and things like that. So fingers crossed that transpires into a good fight as well. Uh, there, are, there are a couple of others on this box. I just haven't added him on. Archie Sharp's fight, fighting some absolute knockover. A Bulgarian lad, which is crap. Um, and there's a couple of others as well. There's a young, uh, I think there's a young bantamweight fighting, um, Louis Norman. Uh, that's a good fight. I think that'll be over six or eight rounds, but that's decent. And if Norman's on his game, he's always got the ability to produce an upset. Uh, so that'll be an interesting one. But no, um, I, I know you said you're looking forward to it, Steve. I, I'm a bit underwhelmed by this card, to be honest. Uh, I think BT have had a relatively decent year in terms of matching the cards quite well with, you know, in-house fights and, you know, like decent domestic scraps and things like that. I just feel this is a bit like uh, thrown together at the last minute. Not the best opponent for Dubois. Williams has certainly got a meaningful fight, as has Sonny Edwards. But there's not really a lot after that. Um, obviously, you've got Tommy Fury as well, the Love Island star. No, uh, if that can transpire, and if he's to be fair though, if he sold a hell of a lot of tickets for this, you know, bringing new fans in, if you were to say or something like that, regardless or not, 
But if Dubois splatters this guy in a round and Fury fights straight after him, it just opens, you know, Dubois up to a new set of people. Um, and they might come again, you know, if Fury's on the card again. They might remember Dubois, you know, this big puncher, um, you know, like quite an exciting style. That's one benefit from it, but but overall, no, uh, Fujimoto shouldn't po- pose any problems. And yeah, the the card is what it is, and it's it's not the best to be honest. Yeah, looking down uh, Fujimoto's record, it's um, a bit of a strange one. He knocked out Clarence Tillman, former friend of the pod, back in two thousand and twelve. Also that same year, he suffered his first and only loss in the Body Maker Coliseum to Solomon Hormono. Bit of a wild Australian fighter. 2013, he knocked out Peter Okello, a Nigerian who was the long-reigning Japanese heavyweight champion, naturally. And then, strangely, in 2014, and then again in 2015, he fought Nobuhiro Ishida. Yes, the former super welterweight who once defeated James Kirkland, also went in with Gennady Golovkin. So quite what he was doing up at heavyweight is anyone's guess. You don't really want to say anything about this, do you guys? Go on. Sorry, Steve. He beat him on a split decision as well. Know, this is a guy who boxed at 154 and right. coming up to fight an actual heavyweight. A year before? He boxed at 154 yeah. a year before. <laughs> I mean, he's had some binge on the food there like that. Um, maybe he's been with Andy Ruiz for that camp or something like that. And they just, you know, like fed each other pizza and tacos and stuff like that. And it got him up to uh, a career high of what? Best part of about £220. But, but no, um, it's... Just, just one thing to mention, MB's just said it in the chat as well, but the reason they've picked this guy is the WBA bizarrely don't have Dubois ranked with them. Uh, this guy's in the top 15. So if Warren's basically said that they're doing it to pinch the ranking. Um, there's also another belt on the line, which is the WBC silver heavy title. Um, I know, again, that can boost your rankings as well. But So there are, I say there's, there's a method in it, but uh, it doesn't, you know, con- condone the opponent uh, at all, really. He's trash. He's absolute trash. Oh, it's uh, crap. Yeah, he's, I agree. He's, I he's, agree. He's, he's been training in America. He just flew back from America to Japan, and now he's flying out, running about the new to the UK. So he's not going to be climatised in time. And he hits the fucking UK, it's going to be freezing cold, right? He's like, what the fuck if I just landed here? To... And even if he had full climatization and a proper training camp, he's still trash. Dubois will ice him probably. Well, it depends what kind of mood he's in, I suppose. But And what time he gets in the ring at as well, probably. Because he's probably fucking half sleeping. Kind of Frank Warren show. But, you know, no, I'm going to say he does it in about four or five rounds. The guy is absolute trash. Four or five? I don't think it'll go that far. I think I'm talking like... Three max. Three. Yeah. Probably. If he said, look, he's not going to be great, this guy. And Dubois not this, you know, like he doesn't fuck about. If he thinks he can get you out there, he's going to do that straight away. So, yeah, I'll be amazed if uh, it goes any sort of distance. Um, yeah. And I hope he does. Look, if Dubois gets these puddings put in front of him, at least he does it the right way. He goes out and he just twats them. He, he, he beats the shit out of them and he, he knocks them, he brutally knocks them out. So, yeah, I'm all for that just before Chris. Round one is 11 to 4. Um, round two is uh, just under 3 to 1. And round four is just under 4 to 1. So, if, um, look, th- th- this guy's going 12 rounds with a guy that boxed at 154 the year before. So uh, he's going to pose no threat to Dubois, and he clearly he's not really much of a puncher. So, yeah, I think it's going to be an early night for uh, for uh, Dubois. Yep, Fujimoto getting toppled. Marcus Bellinger has made me aware of a bullshit title. Les Sherrington 
scored a knockdown in the sixth en route to an eighth round knockout win when the doctor stopped his bout against Keon Johnson. Uh, Showington is now the Global Boxing Council World Super Middleweight title. The, that was an Australian fighting and winning it, winning it in Indianapolis, Indiana. Yep, yeah, well, I get a good sanctioning fee there for the GBC. Like to see them in action. Uh, going on to Japan, Gabe, next Monday. This, by the way, I might as well tell you now, we believe is going to push the pod onto Monday next week. So rather than Sunday, it hasn't been set in stone 100%, but rather than next Sunday evening at 8 o'clock, we believe we're going to come back to you on Monday evening, uh, the, the December the 23rd at 8 o'clock, so we'll be able to fit this in as well. Uh, we'll get back to you on Twitter, Facebook and all that to confirm that, but it, look, it looks like it's going to be next Monday evening. Don't worry too much about that, Gabe. We will hopefully have you here uh, in Japan, Ryota Morota. Murata, whatever you call him, getting a defence against Stephen Butler. I always go back to my Stephen Butler story. The most interesting thing about him, once had a fight with Brandon Cook in Canada, and it was a bit of a dinner show, and the uh, the Canadian crowd started to go a bit rowdy. Fight broke out. Next thing you know, someone threw a champagne bucket into the ring, which hit Cook over the head just after he'd got knocked out. Uh, or was it Butler over the head? It was one of them anyway. So hopefully I Butler's remember recovered. That was Do you remember that? That was brutal, wasn't it, man? <laughs> it was... Fucking battles at ringside tables and chairs, fucking going onwards, man. There's no motorcycle gang or something like that kicked off or Possibly. something. Possibly. It's on YouTube, oh, but that, that champagne bucket coming in, I think it was Butler who had got stopped, hadn't it? It hits him right over yeah. the head, man. It's fucking brilliant. Hopefully he's not concussed anymore and he's ready to take on Murata. Uh, Mathalani, the South African, is defending his IBF flyweight title against the veteran Akira Yogashi. And, interestingly enough, Gabe, the return of Roman Chocolatito Gonzalez over eight rounds Ooh. against Diamel Diokos. What takes your interest on this Japanese card, Gabe? Um, I'm up for this. I think I'll watch this. Definitely the uh, Akira Yogashi fight. Um, if you guys haven't watched this guy before... You definitely got to get on here and check this one out because the guy is almost always in a war. He's just one of those fighters that has it in him uh, to go to war. Every time he steps in the ring, it seems like he's in a pretty brutal fight. Um, how he's still fighting, I don't know. Uh, I know that he previously to this fight, he had said he was going to retire. So I think he's been out for over a year now maybe maybe not quite that long i don't remember when the um retirement announcement was made uh but if you if you want to see a, a brawl this is going to be your best likelihood to see it um i mean i've i've watched uh, every single one of this guy's title defenses and i can't say enough good things about just the just the way that he goes to war and it'll be you know it could be a guy that he has really no business going to war with, but he will go in there and somehow he always gets drawn into it, similar to, to Timmy Bradley, uh, as we were discussing earlier. I mean, I, I feel like he's a guy that should be able to to box his way to victory a lot of times, but it's absolutely uh, one of my favorite fighters to watch over the last several years anyway. So that's the one that I'm really looking forward to. Uh, you know, um, I think that's going to be a solid competition there. Uh, Kinshiro, another, another fun fighter to watch. Um, I'm not really a big fan of, of Ryota Murata. Um, I think the reason why he's going to get main status on this card is because he was signed with top rank, uh, after he came out of the Olympics. So I think he's been with top rank pretty much his entire career. Um, so 
yeah, he's not one that I'm really looking forward to a whole lot. I mean, I'll watch him fight pretty much whenever he's on. I'm not going to turn the channel off, but um, those two, the Kinshiro and the uh, Akira Yagashi uh, and the uh, uh, Methalane fight, those are going to be my two big watches on here. I'm not really big excited about uh, Roman Gonzalez coming back. Uh, I mean, I guess it always has a potential to be a good fight there, um, but it's only, yeah, I think it's only scheduled for uh, uh, 10 rounds, maybe an eight rounder. Um, so it's just to get his feet wet. I don't think his opponent's going to bring a whole lot to challenge him with. So it should be a pretty good, a pretty good show overall on that one. And, and uh, I'm definitely excited about the, that card. Um, seems like the Japanese have got this shit figured out with the uh, month of December. They always have pretty good cards in December. And of course they always have the big, big New Year's Eve shows. So, you know, for the most part, um, they tend to have some pretty good events on in the month of December over in Japan. Good man, Gabe. Climbing off his deathbed to be with us for episode 353 alongside Rob Kelly, Ozzy Smith, Andy Patterson coming up towards Belly of the Weeks and out of here very shortly. Before we do so, Eddie Hearn's got a show on next week in Nevada. Uh, Rob, he wanted it in Nevada all along. Didn't want to go to Las Vegas whatsoever. Danny Jacobs against Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. There's a red flag on box rec. Will it go ahead? Who knows? Josh Kelly, Gabe Rosado, Liam Smith on the card as well. Maurice Hooker and an interesting fight between Julio Martinez Aguilar. You might have seen him battering Charlie Edwards on the floor recently against Christopher Rosales for the vacant WBC flyweight title. So what do you think about this card? Well, that should be a scrap. Yeah, that should be a good little scrap. Um, I don't give a fuck about it, Steve. That's what I think. And I think that Hater Dave is not here tonight. I can attempt uh, a Bob Bob Father and what he thought of the whole fucking Chavez Danny Jacobs situation. He said Eddie Hearn is going around with his head up his ass, <laughs> which is good. Um, but yeah, he lobbied the commission, didn't he, to make that fight, even though um, there's been fucking suspicion around Chavez Junior. Again, surprise, surprise. But you know. Eddie wants the sport cleaned up, and that's that. He's going to do what he has to do to make it happen. So, you know, he's outraged by Big Baby Miller and the likes, and he wants the sport cleaned up. So he's going the right way about it. Well done, Eddie. Thumbs up there from Rob. Uh, Jason Chukwu will be in attendance next week on Thursday evening in Bethnal Green, Aussie. If you turn on your Sky Sports uh pay-per-view, no it's not pay-per-view, it's Sky Sports Boxing or whatever the channel is, Richard Riakpour going in vacant British Cruiserweight title and Jack Massey, good fight, both undefeated guys, mm. Luther Clay, formerly of this pod, going in against Freddie Kiewit, expect him to win that one, uh, Shannon Courtney's on the card as well, Kieran Conway, decent fighter, uh, any interest in this at all Ozzy? Yeah, the, the two named fights are, are quite good actually, um, that Kiewit got a decision I'm sure, I think he beat Paddy Gallagher, Steve, um, yeah. earlier this year, actually. Was was that on an MTK card? It was a very um, close fight, yeah, yeah. It was, yeah, it was very it was very close. Um, and I forget, I, I think, I can't remember if he's been in with somebody else, so he should have been fighting somebody else. But uh, Clay's, I, I like Clay, um, Luther Clay, obviously, he was on this pod as well. Um, decent style, um, looks good, uh, looked really good in uh, in Italy. 
um, against that Dario Morello, and that should be good. That should be a good fight. Uh, that that should be uh, should be a decent contest. Two well matched fighters. Um, I mean, I think we were calling that we want to see Luther claim with Conor Ben next year. Um, look, this this may be the start of building it potentially uh, on Sky for a second time in uh, as many fights. So yeah, fingers crossed that he can come through that. Uh, the main event is good. Um, exactly what you want to see for a British title. Uh, Riot Pore Massey. Um, probably side with Richard Riapori in this. Um, just feel he's he's boxed the better fighters. Uh, Hyde, McCarthy, Billum Smith. Uh, Massey been really, really uh, inactive. And uh, being brutally honest, as Ian Timms is probably his best win. And Ian Timms isn't great. Go on, um, I th- yeah, He was okay as an amateur, wasn't he, Steve? But never yeah, really... He's five-time Irish champion. Yeah, but never really transitioned into the pros that well. So, yeah, I, I think, look, I mean, if, if Massey wins, then it's, it's a great win for him. But I think I'd, I'd side with Riyadport just because his last three fights have all been um, competitive. He's, he's certainly got his flaws and he's not the most, you know, he's not technically gifting and things like that, but he's got power. Um, he gets the job done, doesn't he? Yeah, and that, that win over Bill and Smith, uh, he's certainly not, I know that was a very close fight, that. Um, I think some people de- definitely have Billum Smith winning. Obviously, others had uh, Riapo winning as well. But he'll certainly learn from that. I mean, he destroyed Tommy McCarthy, and um, he was in. I think he, the fight with Sam Hyde. I think Hyde had a grotesque eye injury. Uh, it was horrendous. But again, that was close as well. So again, it wasn't. Massey was Massey at one point was decent. I'm sure he was quite. Um, quite a good amateur as well. So it could be one of these again from where Riapo gives rounds away to the boxer. But um, so does his power, you know, eventually tell? It's it's a good fight. Um, he's the bookies' favourite. And I'd certainly side with him just for his essentially more experience with the more talented fighters. But aside from that, the undercard is non-existent. Um, again, it's just like it's, it's not even been thrown together last minute. Um, you, you've got a lot of prospects on, but all all against um, t- to be basically opponents to be confirmed. But obviously, uh, our friend Shannon Courtney's on there. Obviously, bringing the banter for the females and things like that. So yeah, uh, if there's one fight that I won't be tuning in for, it's hers. Yeah, Tosh uh, Bear Grills over on the chat, shout out to him, has led us perfectly into our final discussion point of the evening before we go on to Belly of the Week. So we'll come to Andy first of all, talking about Chavez being banned for nine months for smoking pot, while Big Baby Miller was banned for six months for PEDs. Same with Liam Cameron as well, isn't it? I know Porky Ruskers on about this as well. He was banned for like, what, four years or something ridiculous for cocaine, where these guys are being let off here, there and everywhere. Uh, my opinion on the Dylan White situation is, I don't really know too much about it, but there's a lot of murkiness, a lot of grey air, areas Andy like the uh, Tyson Fury situation my instincts tells me that there's more to it than meets the eye and that it's a case of powerful people coming up against an organization that isn't able to financially uh, back itself up uh, against these powerful guys and uh, I don't want to accuse anything of uh, white of anything I'm, I'm only the reason I'm not going all out on this is not because I'm afraid of speaking out, but I'm not really sure on the situation. Maybe I'm getting this completely wrong. And I see all these people constantly putting messages on Twitter and that, and even on our YouTube, like, oh, you wankers, uh, why don't, you don't know the facts, man. You don't know the truth. Well, why don't you come on the podcast and enlighten me? Because that's exactly what I'm trying to find out. If you've got the facts and you've got the truth, 
uh, YouTube commenting people, then come on the podcast and let us know. Uh, this is what I'm trying to get to, and I'm trying to get to the, yeah. the bottom of this situation. So tell me what the truth is. How much do you know about this? Well, I know some facts, and um, I'll try and keep it as succinct as possible, mate, but... Um, I think we need to start off by saying um, you're spot on with what you're saying about the about the lawsuits and stuff like that because obviously the first time round about when when Mr White got caught um, he didn't have the the promotional muscle or the financial power himself to kind of fight a case so he took a two year ban. Uh, this time he's 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 played the same card contamination which I'll get to in a, in a little bit. But I did think Eddie Hearn's comments were well timed, shall we say. When he said, uh, you know, it was basically kind of forcing UCAT to make a decision, and it was like two or three days later, he's cleared to fight or exonerated or you know whatever vindicated. I think the word was used. So I just want to redo this wee statement here for UCAD on the situation, right? And I quote: "UCAD will not comment publicly on the specific facts. Neither UCAD nor Mr. White intend to make any further comment." Any public comments made by anyone other than UCAD or Mr. White will not be made on the basis of understanding of the full facts. So nobody knows the fucking facts, mate, apart from Dylan White and UCAD. And this is for our premier, supposed to be premier drug testing authority. It's a U- UCAD as government-run authority. And my, I'm sorry, that statement, in my opinion, undermines the absolute trust we're supposed to have in anti-doping in this country. Now, I'll just go back to um, Ewan McKenna. Uh, he made a, a, a very, you know, eye-opening tweet, shall we say, a couple of days ago when he said, uh, when it comes to state-sponsored doping, I spoke to a former British athlete last year who told me he knew of a prominent teammate that was doping going back a decade. He went to UCAD about this and he did nothing. UCAD refused to respond to me on this. They are the state body. Right, so let me go even further and stuff. I have personally made three FOI requests to UCAD over the last few years, all of which have been de- uh, denied or, or rejected. To me, that is a very secretive organisation. Right? Now, we're quite right. We kind of come out and say that Dylan White absolutely absolutely intended to cheat because he's tried to say, this, oh, OK, I've been using, I, I use a contaminated supplement. Well, Steve, you and I both know there's a gentleman who listens to this podcast every week I won't mention his name because if he wants to come on, he can give us his, his, his point of view if he wants to come on. But he'll, if, he listen, if he's listening to this, he'll know who I'm talking about. He'll know I'm talking about him. But he's a bodybuilder. He's a natural bodybuilder. And he knows the company who supplies Dylan White supplements. He uses the same company. Those supplements are called, which is informed sports batch tested. So they're definitely not tainted. I'm amazed, however, that this company still... Sponsoring Dylan White. Now, Dylan White, if you used a contaminated supplement, why don't you do what Yoel Romero did in UFC? Sue them. Because Yoel Romero got done for a drug, I think it was called a, a butamorine or something like that. Um, I don't know what it is, but he's basically broken it down the damages and stuff, and he lost something like $3 million in wages, $3 million in reputable harm, emotional damages and all that sort of stuff. And ended up getting like something like $27 million. Now, I don't know how much of that he's going to see, but what I'm saying to you is this, Dillian, if you use a contaminated supplement from that company, sue them, because you've got a home run, and you'll never need to take another punch in your life, right? Or unless you took another supplement that it wasn't really meant to be known you know, you maybe took something dodgy or something like that. You know, you took, you bought something off the shelf like you did the last time, and it's come back positive. And you know, basically, you've 
you, you got caught. Now, the thing is this, Diana Ball, I believe, has got something between a four and a half hour, six hour window, right? So it's a very short half-life. So you would need to think to yourself, you know, is it potential microdosing? Now, as I say, he has passed um, tests from VADA in the build-up. I think he passed a test before the positive and he passed a test after the positive, right? Now, I'm sorry, passing previous or, uh, or uh, previous or post uh, drug tests and stuff like that isn't a, a indication of of of, uh, of innocence, right? Because to me, there's another gentleman kicking about called Nick Butler. Mr. Butler, now he is works for the ARD German Sports Newspaper. Who are they? You might ask. Yes, ARD are the people who are running those all those drug uh, doping documentaries and stuff like onto Russia and the German uh, sports fields and all that sort of stuff. And he asked the question as well. Very, very legit question. He says, but where in the rules does it state that low amounts of steroids like Dynabol is enough to drop a case? Surely low amounts are always likely if someone is trying to avoid detection, i.e. microdosing. Now, as I say, you need to be in the know. And I, say, I, don't, I don't use steroids and stuff like that, so I'm not really in the know, but I read. So if that puts me somewhat in the know and stuff like that, it does, I don't care. But put it this way, the key to the situation here, this drug... Is it's a banned drug, it's got a very, very short half life, right? So, what I'm going to say in conclusion is this it is known the drug, and it's known what the supplement was and what was the contaminant. So, we need to know to make a full informed decision A, what was the supplement and what was the contamination? Because, in light of it, it just proves to me is that the trace amounts. Are probably, it would probably show it's an isolated case of contamination, right? But at the same time as UCAD have really no help the situation here. Because all they've done is, is just saying is there's no case to answer and the likelihood in this case is probably contamination. Uh, so that's it, case closed. And we can't find out, we can't ask him, we can't put an FY request and stuff like that. So, there you go, Rob. No, I just think, just I, I kind of covered it before, but I just think that the commissions are setting a dangerous precedent with this kind of thing. And the, and the governing bodies because you're seeing it more and more with testing now that more fellas are getting popped so even if it's USADA USADA used to be known as far from the gold standard when it comes to, to catching people but they're catching everybody now in the UFC and they're after saying like look we're going to accept now from now on that certain trace amounts are going to be um, non-performance enhancing and we're going to let it slide. In other words, they're indicating to the fighters, don't get caught cycling off. We're under pressure from the fucking organizations here for cancelling too many fights and they're trying to get replacements in last minute. It's fucking up the business. We're going to let certain shit slide. You're seeing the WBC come out and say that they're going to let the clenobutrol slide now, basically, from certain Latin American countries, which is an open window for fellas to dope and cycle off. An open window. You're giving them a loophole to work with if they're based in those countries, why wouldn't they dope? They're all going to be doping now, mm-hmm. even if they weren't before. So the commissions are setting a dangerous precedent and maybe they're just like, look at business rules again. We've known fellas are doping for years. We did nothing about it. Now we're seen to be doing something about it, but we're going to let certain shit slide because it's fucking up the business. And that's that's my take on it. Uh, so basically, the burden of proof was on Dylan White and his team to, prov- to prove to UCAD that he was clean to the point is that it was contamination. Right, that's, that's all he did. So whatever he's done and whatever he's proven to them has come up, in their opinion, as, as suitable for them. But I say I go back to the fact that it's known the drug, 
Okay. Now, let's just get real here. Back in the, the bad old days of the cycling situation, stuff like when everybody was used to the tits on EPO to the point that guys were having to wake up at three o'clock in the morning to cycle because the fucking the blood was that thick, up at 50% hematocrit levels, that guys were having fucking heart attacks at 24 year old. Right, so when that shit, when that shit got, out, got out of control, and they started bringing in EPO tests and stuff like that, what they had to do then is was microdose. But they couldn't microdose every day. They did the day before, like the big mountain stages and stuff like that. So this is how guys were getting were getting through that way. Now what I'm saying, is, uh, I'm just kind of repeat myself and stuff like that. But whatever Dylan White's proven to UCAD and that has been suitable, but there's still too many unanswered questions, and it's shut up shop like that suggest to me is a, of a cover-up. Now, I'm just going to be, end by saying this, right? If you're going to use contamination the first time as an excuse, okay, we can we can buy you with that, we can, we can accept that, you bought it off the shelf and that, shit can happen, right? Shit gets gets caught up in dodgy batch and that sort of stuff. You know, we can shake somebody's hand, for example, who's been snorting cocaine, you can fill a drugs test. That happened to Mike Tyson, apparently, uh, I think it happened to his wife or something like that, when he gave her a kiss after he snorted some lines and stuff like that, and she filled a drugs test, right? So it can happen. But if you are absolutely adamant, and remember this, by the way, Manny Pacquiao, uh, Floyd Mayweather came out and said Manny Pacquiao was juicing, right? And we all believe Floyd was doing it, right? So does it take a juicer to know a juicer? Because you were very, very happy and very, very vocal about Anthony Joshua, who, by the way, has never failed a drugs test. Never failed a drugs test. And you failed twice now, right? Anthony Joshua was accused by Dylan White numerous times on his YouTube channel, and on Sky Sports, of being a drugs cheat. You've made hand indications to suggest that he was shooting himself with some steroids or whatever and stuff like that. So now the, the, the shoes another foot in that is contamination. Tweeted out the drugs don't work as yep. well. Yep. So came me to do, Dylan White. If you were cheated, because that's what you're talking about, oh, I've been fighting, everybody's against me, and all that sort of stuff. That, you know, That's the usual fucking route you go doing that. You always take the kind of paranoid route that everybody's against you, the world's against me, and stuff like that. See if you're absolutely 100% certain that it was contamination. Sue the supplement company, because I want to see how that goes, by the way. Because I'm telling you right now, John Jones in the UFC claimed the same thing. I, I don't know when, uh, I think it might be the last drug test that he filled, or something like that, or maybe the one before that. He said, um, I've been using a new supplement. And he says, oh, hey, listen, didn't he put this in us, John? You to- we told you what was in this. So have you been taking something else on, on the back end? That's on you. So if the contamination is not as a result of the supplement, how do they get the delay? Because as I understand it, that drug can only be taken one way, and that's orally. Now, if it's not by a supplement company and you've taken something else, or you've deliberately taken a microdose of that, of that uh, um, Diana ball, which apparently uh, um, can, like, say, maintain fluid retention, breast enlargement, well, look at the fucking state in your last fight. You know, so that's all I'm going to say at that. But as I say, there's too many unanswered questions. UCAD, I've shut up shop. It's all nice, convenient, but a wee bone on top of it, you're now cleared to fight. And he's now getting reinstated as WBC's interim champion or something. I forget what it is. But as I say, is, People are asking questions here, by the way. You McKenna has asked questions. Um, as I said, Nick Butler for ARD. You didn't want guys like that stuff about, by the way. So, as I said, I'll just leave it at that. But, yeah. um, as I says, it's no drug testing anymore. It's IQ testing. I mean, some of these drugs and that are, are coming in, Steve. I'll just read you off a list here, right? Um, mm-hmm. um, Durabolene, four and a half days, right? One stroll, 24 hours. Anavar, nine hours. 
and they're all five to nine hours, and the one we're talking about, Diana Ball, four and a half to six hours. This is what's known as the time over which a steroid stays in a user's body is known as the drug's half-life. It takes longer to, to withdraw from steroids with longer half-life. The half-life of somebody commonly abused steroids include, and Diana Ball is on that list, four and a half to six hours. So if you've passed tests previously, and you think to yourself, right, okay, I've got, I've got nothing on the day, I can take this, and I'll be out my system from four and a half days, sorry, four and a half hours to six hours, chap at the door three hours later, drug testing, oh, fuck. You know, what did he say in, in, in the post-fight testing again, or the post-fight press conference to Eddie quietly on the cameras? A one in a million shot. A one in a million shot, eh? Because you thought you were maybe cleared and stuff like that, and then you passed tests afterwards and stuff like that. A lucky shot from the gods. <laughs> A lucky shot for the gods, mate. As I say, I, I'm smelling bullshit. I've obviously, we've no proof. And people for the community says, oh, well, you didn't know the facts. Well, I've tried to present some facts. I'm not an expert, obviously. I'm giving my opinion. But that is the facts, some of the facts that I know, at least, and that I've managed to read. And uh, anybody else who's basically, particularly those defending them, at least, come and give me your facts of the story, because I want to hear them as well. And then we come a wee, a wee debate, a wee discussion about it and stuff like that. But as I say, is I'll go back to what Yo Romero did. Sue the company. Then we'll maybe get an answer. But I don't think he will because he's got his career back now. He's back in the paydays and stuff like that. He's come for a Joshua rematch. He's got his world, his interim world title back. So he's back in the you know the big time. Don't rock the boat, Wally. Nah, I don't think it will rock the boat, actually. So we'll just, we'll just leave it at that. I don't suspect any lawsuits and stuff like that will be coming. Um, Particularly against a guy like Thomas Hauser, um, who will just be laughing. I think he's an ex-lawyer as well. He'll be laughing his bollocks off at the thought of having to defend a lawsuit against us. It'll be an absolute laugh. But uh, as I say, I'm just going to defer again to the Yo Romero case and that. Just take it up with them, take it to court, and see how you get on there. And then we'll maybe get to get to the facts as uh, as we want to try and find out. Yeah, in my uneducated opinion, I don't think UCAD, UCAD are fit for purpose, and the result and the punishment is uh, status dependent, so it depends on whether you're a big boy or a little boy. Ozzy, I don't know if you want to have a, a word on this. It's the ambiguous language for me. You know, it's not, unless they've come out and I, I've missed it and said innocent or, or guilty, you know, you hear cleared to fight, no longer under investigation, uh, satisfied by our findings. What was in the B sample? Can we just get black and white answers here? I mean, it's all ambiguous. Well, the B the B sample was never revealed, wasn't it? Uh, we don't even know if it was requested to be tested. Um, I think that has to be done from the wide side. But I'm just on the UCAD website now. I'm on the banned list uh, for all the sports people uh, in the UK and um, redacted. Yeah, I, I just don't know why. And it, it never it's, used to be missed. Never used to be. <clears throat> well, it's across a very um, a number of sports. Um, where there's redact uh, re- things that are redacting and there isn't uh, the RFU um, is one of them. The RFL is another, and the British Boxing Board of Control is another. I mean, if you go quite a few pages back, probably like seven pages back, everybody is redacted, and it's only now they've started naming them. Uh, in my, in my opinion, that like, you shouldn't be allowed this, um, you know, this secrecy type of thing. You you should be named and shamed. Um, I, I don't see why you get, you know, like the power not to be named when you're uh, doping. But there's a hell of a lot of um, people who've been part uh, of the British Boxing Board of Control who have been banned for up from six months up to four years. Uh, but 
only the ones that we, we obviously are aware of have been named. I mean, one that um, strikes out is Eric Molina, who obviously fought against uh, Philip Hergovic, uh, actually uh, has just served a one-month ban from UCAD. Um, apparently he violated something in, what's it called, back in July last year. And the, the start of the ban then kicked in on... Um, in October 2019, so I don't understand why it's taking so long for these to go through. But I'm, uh, you're right; they target the the target. guys, we guys, yeah, they, 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 guys. They do, yeah, yeah. So the the past three that have been banned are Ryan Martin, who was the guy that fought Josh Taylor up in the Super Series, um, clearly not got the pockets or the promotional backing to contest this. Uh, Eric Molina was another. Ivica Bakurin was one uh, Joe Joyce destroyed him. But he's just, you know, he's a glorified journeyman, uh, Ivica Bakurin. And then there's another one as well who was banned for four months uh, from an offence that took place in December um, 2017. And the ban kicked in in the, fir- in the 12th of January 2018 and then expired in uh, May. But that, that person is redacted, so... Lord knows who that could be. I haven't got a clue whatsoever at all. So I'd certainly like some more... um, I I certainly think people should be named and shamed. If you're found to be doping, then why do you have the right for your name to be hidden away? Considering that everybody everybody else, so like Kieran Scott, Lee Dearden, Morgan Jeffries, Kyle Perry... Todd James, Nathan Toggan, Peter Newman, all banned for a variety of things from cocaine to steroids. So if these guys are going to be named, then why do fighters under the uh, British Boxing Board of Control have the right to be um, to, to essentially, you know, to anonymity? Why, why are they allowed to essentially serve a secret ban and then come back in six months' time? Because a four-month ban, you'd never know. You can still train in camp for that. You can just do your own thing. You just can't fight. Well, a four-month, you just tick over nicely. That's gone. Start again. One year out, oh, I'm injured. No one bats an eyelid. And particularly because these bands are secret, no one will ever know. So uh, I, I agree with what Steve said. I don't think they're fit for purpose. Um, you you have deep pockets. You call in the lawyers. You seemingly win. I think the firm that got Dillian White off this case have acted now four times now in terms of high-profile cases. So Tyson Fury, I think Chris Froome was involved with them from one yep. thing uh, it's as like well. like the Johnny Cochran of the PED world, isn't it? Yeah, it, it, it is, yeah. So this, this law firm have uh, previously got history of dealing with UCAD and they'll know exactly what they need to do to get their client off. And it says it all with Fury, Froome, White, and I think there's one other as well who was a high-profile sports star as well. Mo Farah. Mo was Farah. it Mo Farah? So, look, Farah, Froome, Fury, and now White. Relatively high-profile uh, sportsmen in their respective sports, and they've got away with everything or served backdated bands or something like that, um, or got off the hook. And it was uh, because this law firm knows the ins and outs and knows that our, our client has got deep pockets, we'll take you to the cleaners and you can't afford it. And in my opinion, if, if a firm like this, they had a fighter that failed a test, regardless, he was never cleared of that failed test whatsoever. He even said in the statement that it was still found he was never cleared from that. 
but they can't do anything about it. So what's the point in them? It's like me drug testing somebody. I could find out that, you know, a boxer for me is sniffing coke or something like that or, you know, taking growth hormone. Yep, I've got a failed test here, but it's absolutely worthless because I can't do anything with it. And that's essentially what UCAD's tests are unless you're the Ivica Bakurins and Ryan Martins of the world from where they're never going to fight in this country anyway. So I'm sure the ban only applies to the um, to the UK. So in reality, they're not going to come back for four years. They don't care. They don't care whatsoever. There should be one governing body, in my opinion, that operates throughout the world. And all four, um, but essentially, you know, all the bodies get on board with it. And if you fail with, for example, say it's Varda, if you fail with them, you either, you, your ban is a minimum of two years or three years or life. And that's that. None of these sub, you know, like sub firms like UCAD, WADA, uh, USADA, etc. Things like that. It should be one only across the sports. And if you fail, that's it. And you should be named and shamed. None of this anonymity bullshit whatsoever. Talking to law firms, if anyone's not happy about what we're saying, Ben Wiseman Industries are representing us on this matter, bringing you out in Andy for the final time here. The guys are saying about Rivas, will Rivas get compensated for this? Lee the Alcoholic Frotch says, the thing is, it would never have been made public if it wasn't for that rat Thomas Hawser. Uh, Rivas would have never found out either. True, mate. I don't know if he's going to get compensated and stuff like that. It was just disgusting the way it was all handled and that, you know. Uh, I'm just going to be saying this. I'm not, fucking Chuck Wood was going mental in the chat. They're saying, fuck me, Andy's defended Femi. Well, I'm actually going to you know, give some praise to Eddie Hearn, believe it or not, here, actually. But he has earned his, he's earned his money. Now, I don't know if you guys have done any work for the government or local government or applied to them for anything like that. When you put an application to like people like that, the general duration time, shall we say, is usually a, a year. Right, and you've got you know that's what that's how long you had to, had to do to make this decision on this case. Now Eddie came out and purposely put the pressure on them about three or four days before the Saudi event took off, and as I say, you know then it, it all come out that he got cleared to fight and stuff. So he's done his job well there. He's got his fighter cleared to fight again, um, and he's you know he's, he's done his job perfect perfectly there. Now I'll go back to something that Teddy Atlas said now because Teddy Atlas was always a, a a big proponent of trying to get big change in boxing for the state of the shock and scorecards and that and calling it corruption and stuff. The last thing we need is the fucking government involved in anything relating to drug testing or sports. And as Aussie says, VADA should be the people worldwide who should be doing it. Um, UCAD have now proven to me they're no fit for purpose. They cannot be trusted. They're too secretive. It's like fucking MI5, man. So they, they are no fit for purpose. We've seen what happened with USAD, for example, with the... Peter Quillen, a Winky Wright case. Um, something happened again with the drug test near that the, the samples ended up getting destroyed and Winky Wright was doing his fucking nut over it. We've seen the situation with Floyd and Pacquiao. Uh, after the weigh-in, USAD walked into uh, Mayweather's house and he's getting an IV at that time. Now, the saying goes, is if you need an IV, if you badly need an IV, you should be in hospital getting it. No, no, no comfort your own fucking home, regardless of how much money you've got. So you know, there's just there's just too much bullshit involved, and you said, as I say, as a government uh, agency as well. So as I say, you, you let the government near it, it ends up getting muddied, and it's just like everything else. They take any committees, subcommittees, and it gets kicked about, 
and have a fucking drink and a sing song and it comes back as a shadow of its former fucking self of used to nobody. And what did they do? Ah, uh, well, there's no case to answer. And, well, you know, why is there no case to answer? Has, well, has you know, failed, we can't tell you. Uh, well, you know, what's the facts? Well, we can't tell you the facts. So here we are, we've got people out there, guys like myself, who are either, you know, supposedly you know, against Dillian White, you've got people who are supporting Dillian White, uh, you know, in this instance, who's, who don't know the facts as well. Well, I'm sorry, we, what we don't need here is, is you know, speculation, uh, because it just doesn't help anybody. And as Rob says, we've got a situation going on here now with Clinbutrol in, in, in three countries, whereas, you know, they could potentially microdose um, up to a certain level. Um, and if, as, long as, if, as long as they're below the threshold of the clenbuterol, as set by the weather code now, in Mexico, China, I think it's Nicaragua, I think it is, um, then you're basically cleared to fight. What a load of shite. And it says as well, as, you know, one of these days, and it's going to be a sad day, but it's going to be a sad, sad day when it comes that we find out a fighter gets badly hurt, stretched out of the ring, and the fighter, at some point, it, it breaks that he's for the drugs test and he was allowed to fight, i.e. Oscar Rivas, Delane White. Now, I hope it never never comes to that, but all you fucking snakes, all you promoters and stuff like that, all your vested interests, you know, it's just it's fucking disgusting. As I say, I've lost my cousin to steroid abuse, right? And it wasn't nice to see a guy with all that, you know, potential and talent end up going the way he did. Now, I've, I've seen it happen to, you know, guys like that. Now, people who, with money and the best testers, so the, the best doctors, so to speak, how to teach you and how to use this stuff and that, God knows what's going to happen to the guys in the future because some of this stuff, it can affect your kidneys, you know, you get excessive, excessive hair growth, you get man boobs, you get fat bellies after you stop using it. And stuff. Look at the state of some of the wrestlers are in nowadays, man. You know, so as I say, it's just, I think we've probably said we've too much. Man, there, must be, there must be traces of kind of neutral in the, in the Mexican beef. Gonna say, oh, it says like maybe without. <laughs> but you know, bastards. It's, it's a sad fucking day, man. It's a bad, sad fucking day. It says he's, he's been cleared to fight, good and well. But as I say to him, I'll go back to it again. Sue your supplement company because that's what you claimed. So if I was your lawyer, Delane, I'd be advising you to go and sue them because you just lost reputational damage. Three or was it five months of fucking earnings, possibly? Not that you fight. You know, after mm-hmm. five months anyway. But, you know, you know what I'm talking about. So, uh, I'll tell you what, if it was me who was innocent by you, you fucking bet I'd be sued every cunt. I would be. Fuck your, uh, mm-hmm. you know, fuck fighting. If I knew that I could make a lawsuit money that would mean that I didn't need to fight anymore, need, no need to take any more punches and CTE and all that sort of stuff, I'd be doing it. But you'll no do it. Will he? I don't think he will. No. But we'll not get that... to hear about it anyway, will we? No. Uh, final couple of contributions, lads, before we close this topic up. Ozzy uh, will have the final word, but before so, Gabe, you jump in with your two pence worth. Yeah, I don't I don't necessarily know everything there is to know about all this stuff. Um, and I think that's what Andy's getting his point across, is that there's no need for us to be speculating. Just tell us what the fuck is going on and let us know the truth about all of it and be done with it. Um, as far as like Andy said, they're going to allow some micro traces in, in testing and that's just setting guys up as Andy said, I'm just going to agree with everything he said here uh, on them being able to, to cheat openly. Now I'm going to take a very common sense approach to this, having a little bit of understanding of, of science. Uh, and I'm sure anyone else can come to the same conclusion just using some common sense, uh, critical analysis here. 
Um, so let's go to this whole idea of trace amounts. To, to, to have a trace amount of a substance in a test, let's say it was uh, the one we're talking about with a four-hour a four-hour window of a four-hour half-life, as Andy said. What that means is you would have to have had a significant amount of that fucking contaminant in your system for it to show up five, six, seven, eight hours later if it's got a four-hour half-life. To show up two days later, the amount must increase considerably uh, for a micro-trace of it to be found. So you, every day after the use, after that initial four-hour half-life, I think the issue that we're talking about here is that it must be a considerably larger amount, a larger volume uh, that was ingested, whether it was through contaminated meats, which is a bunch of fucking horse shit, or whether it was, uh, you know, a contamination of a substance. So... So let's think about this also for a second. With all these supplements these guys are supposedly taking, how much would have to be in a dosage of that uh, of that particular product for it to show up in a trace fucking amount? That is the absolute most ludicrous thing I've ever heard. You're telling me that a guy goes and is taking uh, some kind of supplement and then that causes him to get popped in a in a cross contamination. That would have had to be a significant amount in that dosage, a significant amount in that dosage for it to pop up later on as a as a trace contaminant, as a trace in that person's body. There is no way that you can tell me that these guys that are getting popped for small volumes in their in their tests aren't having significant amounts in their system there's no fucking way it can happen that's like saying oops i accidentally spilled five gallons of salt in a recipe that took two tablespoons it makes no sense it makes no sense at all so how can you say that you're getting trace amounts and contaminated into these voluminous products they don't make a fucking one uh, one piece of of this stuff. They're making volumes of these various supplements. They're making a, enough that they can sell them on a shelf to multiple, 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 multiple people at a time by the hundreds and thousands. People buy buckets of this shit. Weightlifters, bodybuilders buy tons of this stuff. There's no fucking way that a trace amount got in there and was enough to throw a test off. It just makes no sense that this could happen. None at all. In any in any shape, form, or fashion. Either it's in there and they put it in there and they meant to put it in there and it's showing up because guys are getting popped for it or they're just not cycling off quick enough to keep it from showing up. That's all there is to it. That's all there is to it. I, I just want to put my common sense theory out there and say, I'm going to do some work on this over the next couple of weeks. So, you know, maybe at the year end pod, I'll have some, some better um, information to provide 
to to back up what I what I believe here. Um, but that's all I have for this point anymore. I I I, I don't think that we need to continuously kick a dead horse on this one, but I just can't be believing that there's a way for a trace to show up on a test for that person not to have ingested a volume that was consistent enough to provide some kind of advantage, whether it was weight loss, muscle mass growth, uh, whatever that particular drug was out to do. Mm -hmm. I can't believe it. I can't buy it. Gabe's not buying it, going all Columbo on us. Aussie final to you. We need to go on to Bayou of the Week, so if you keep it brief, please, sir. Yeah, of course. So just a couple of points, really. Um, I think you, you need the buy-in from promoters, basically, because it's not taken seriously by them. Fighters serve the bands, and and they get opportunities. I mean, look at Gerald Miller. Um, he, he's on the verge of signing with top rank, and the guy, the guy was popped for just an endless list of steroids and it's like people are queuing up to sign him now because it just uh, basically broadened his name even more Uh, we saw the Saudi show last week I think out of what eight fighters five had served bans it's like come on if if you want to be serious about it then let's stop giving these fighters opportunities to box if you want to shoot heads up you and things like that you do it but then don't expect opportunities further down the line particularly repeat offenders as well uh, but then on on the flip side of that um i personally would remove you know people who get popped for like cocaine and stuff like that and and weed and things i, I don't dub them as like performance enhancing if somebody has a joint at home and things like that and then they fail a test and get a two-year ban i do believe that's quite harsh uh, likewise, you, you show me a fighter who can fight stone, by the way, and I'll show exa- you somebody who's a fucking... This is what I mean. It's like... You, this is what I mean. Yep. And you, you're not going to do that during <laughs> camp, I and things like that. It's just... It's not... It, that is not performance enhancing. Like you say, cocaine and things like that as well. They're probably doing it on the piss and things like that. Not, you know... You know, four four weeks into an eight week camp, oh yeah, I'll, um, I'll do a gram of coke and things like that. It's not what the it's not what it's there for. So that's personally what that that's just my opinion. That some people think, look, if if you do anything of a sort, then coke, weed, whatever, um, they'll be banning paracetamol next. Um, but yeah, you you can't you should be banned. But I think recreational drugs, in my opinion, should be off that list. Uh, but then there should be one universal list of banned substances, not this in in contest and out of contest like Billy Joe Saunders got scuppered by, really. Uh, because in what on one thing that he he, what, he didn't break any uh, law, uh, drug laws in the UK. However, according to Varda, he did. So you need to clarify things like that. There should be one list. Um, if it's banned, it's banned. None of this in and out of contest. Uh, but for me, I'd remove uh, recreational drugs as well. But ultimately, you need the backing and support of the promoters because they're, they're the ones that make the fights and you should have the TV firms as well get involved and say, we are not having drug cheats on. If it's just a tainted substance, then there can be ways and means around it because, look, that can genuinely happen, you know, like a pre-workout or something. But if it's, you know, we're talking like serious stuff, steroids and things like that then for me you should be uh, you should not be allowed the opportunities to fight on uh, high profile platforms earning millions of dollars when you're knowingly cheating 
and at the end of the day could kill somebody. Well said, Ozzy. We'll leave it there and move on to Bellew of the Weeks. Indeed, if anybody wants to make any comments, then hit us up on Twitter or in the comments underneath the YouTube video. And if you're not happy with what we're saying or want to disagree with anything or the facts aren't there, then absolutely give us a shout and you can come on next week and put us right. You're more than welcome, everybody. On to episode 353, Bellew of the Weeks. Rapping Rob Kelly's still with us. Gabe Lewis as well. Ozzy Smith, Andy Patterson. First one is from Donny Baseball. Remember him? Uh, him and David Almond have been nominating Chucky406402, putting a picture of Mike Tyson next to Anthony Joshua and saying it will be a toss-up on this one. Hard to pick. Uh, Billy Nelson has been nominated by Declan Graffin. Martin Bacoli will gladly fight Dillian White. Eddie Hearn tagged in there. Make it happen, Edward, says Brad. You will see a real fight. And uh, moves like Zaga jumped in. I believe Martin deserves a shot as a top heavyweight. Dillian versus Martin would be a great fight. O'Hara Davis was nominated by Jamie Coleman I would like to vote, can somebody please send me the website that I can use to vote with please uh, Greg Cross has nominated whoever runs Frank Warren's Twitter uh, Boxing Social, we're interviewing Dave Caldwell Nobody would have beaten Tony Bellew that night Dave Caldwell reminisces about when Tony Bellew defeated Ilunga Makabu To become WBC Cruiserweight World Champion at Goodison Park uh, I believe this was Terry Woodfine jumped in said, No, Dave, Bellew went to hell and back with a guy who in his previous fight fought a local bin man who was 500th in box rec. So I wish Bellew went into the World Boxing Super Series because all of those fighters on that night would have pounded him. Uh, Andy's thrown in a title watch here. I think it was the GBU or the BBU or something. I uh, love a good title ourselves. Baltic, Baltic, Baltic Boxing Union, mate. Baltic Boxing Union. Love a sanctioning fee off them, boys. Uh, Tommy Cahill is one of many people who throw in this absolute... I think I'm in that tonight. <laughs> It's Baltic out there tonight in Wexford. (laughs) (laughs) Rapping Bob Kelly, avoiding the bullets and the snowflakes. Uh, Tommy Cahill is one of many people to nominate this one, as reported by BoxingScene.com. Barry McGuigan reacting to the Anthony Joshua-John Ruiz fight. Joshua was like Muhammad Ali, moving like that, said Barry McGuigan. So a strong front runner is he. Uh, Andy, I will give you an opportunity at this point to throw in him in any nominations that you might have. Yeah, I've got one, mate, for Javonte Davis. I uh, don't know anybody caught this tweet. I'm just trying to find it. Now. Actually, there it's there. So he tweeted out last week. He says, I'm not signing no more gloves, shirts, or nothing else since you all want to be selling it. So I just kindly reminded him that, was you know the guy that's you know, sold all your furniture that Floyd Mayweather bought you and then moved back to Baltimore? He <laughs> um, <laughs> <coughs> never, never got back to me with that one, unfortunately. Surprised. Um, I'm surprised he never tipped in there. <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, that's one of them. Um, I, I was, didn't want to put up Adrian Broner, but I did notice his name got put into some documents regards to money laundering and drugs and stuff like that. But I found, I read the article, it was quite funny actually. It was like, um, this guy, he's, he's in the car and he gets, he gets pulled over by the cops and something like $14,000 in cash and it's uh, a rental vehicle. And uh, the police asked him, uh, he says, where did you get the cash for? He says, I'm holding it from, I'm holding it from my, my wee brother, Adrian Broner. And the driver's son, who's sitting in the fucking back seat, says, that's no right, Daddy. He says, AB didn't give you that money. So the wee laddie grasped out his fucking... Rats <laughs> 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 out. Uh, I've got one for Bob Arum for saying that, you know, the, um, uh, you know basically the Crawford Spence fight could be done in an hour once Spence is healthy. So that to me suggests that fucking Errol Spence is uh, literally washed out and he's never going to fight again and stuff like that. Bob Arum is making comments like that. So that's my three for this week, mate. 
Good job, Andy. Strong ones there. Ben Thorns continuing with mine as nominated Perry Perry, one of these uh, Twitter experts, saying Dillian White has been cleared by UCAD. Do your research, says Perry. And from the first offence, it was from contaminated meat. Have you ever heard of someone turning over a new leaf? <laughs> Maybe it was a new lettuce leaf on top of that contaminated beef burger. Uh, Leonard Ellaby has been nominated by Toby. Uh, Javonta Davis. Uh, a, a Javonta Davis event is like a Mike Tyson event in the late 80s. Uh, trading leather boxing continues his campaign against Tommy the Guru Allen. The Guru was talking about Anthony Joshua again, trying to put him down. Uh, seven days now, rent free. He thinks that Joshua is living rent free in the Guru's head. Uh, William Lee has nominated the BBC for having KSI talking about their boxing story of the year. Uh, JS Park 10 has nominated um, Mike Coppinger. I think it was for putting Spence above Usyk in his pound for pound list. Are you on crack? The boys are asking there. Rob Harold's nominated Paul Smith. Uh, Gordon was going in on Smigger, saying that he was a, a dickhead or whatever it was, and Paul Smith tweeted him back, Gord, I'm at Aintree Costa five days a week, mate, from 10am till 12pm. The Rotunda Gym, Monday and Wednesday and Friday, 5.15 to 6.30. Anytime you feel like growing a pair and saying this to me in person, feel free. I'll usually be by myself. It's a big fat Smigger, Rob. All the burglars will be rubbing their hands. <laughs> That's why he's got Duncan Ferguson on fucking retainer. When <laughs> <laughs> Duncan, Duncan Ferguson catches Rob by the way, he spends three days in the hospital. He picked the fucking ball by up. He picked him up. Aye, he ragdolled him with a scouse fucking burglar. <laughs> there you go, Smigger's house. If you want to get in and steal a size 46 tracksuit, that's the size of the <laughs> Hey, Steve, watch it. You better, you better watch it talking like that, or you're going to have to go down to Costa and fucking prove yourself. Here, Smigger, if you want it, I'm sit- if you want it, Smigger, I'm sitting at my laptop every Sunday evening from 8 o'clock. <laughs> Costa, till 10 o'clock. Fucking hell, man, you shut up with you. want to bring fellas out to fight in the Costa. Shut up with you. <laughs> If you want it, till 10.30 some nights. Uh, Gabe, any nominations from you this week? No. Nothing from Gabe. A nomination from Andrew McCormick for Danny Williams, as we mentioned earlier, the whole German debacle. Uh, I think that's all the ones I've got. <laughs> good old Danny. Uh, yeah, Barry McGuigan's a good front runner. Smigger Smith as well. Danny Williams, uh, BBC. Ozzy, any nominations from you? No, nothing from me. I'm torn at the moment, Rob. I'm liking that Javonta Davis one. I'm liking AB, but I'm definitely liking <laughs> the Smigger one. I have a few. I like the, I like the Danny Williams one because it reminded me of when uh, we were doing PE and we'd be doing hurling and I just rock in in the fucking tracks and I'm like, not today, not today, teacher. No, no, I've got a note. I'm not doing. That. <laughs> um, but uh, fucking, uh, I have to give one to Showtime Sean Porter. Uh, PVC are making an attempt now at doing a kind of a, a program, boxer program. And actually, the guys asking the questions are quite good. Abner Maris and Sean Porter, um, their, their punditry is pretty good. I got to give them that. Like, and um, they were interviewing Harrison to get ahead of the Charlo fight. <laughs> Sean Porter was wearing a yellow blazer and a red tie. He fucking looked like the fucking fry captain of the month from McDonald's. It was horrendous, man. They're slaughtering him in the comments, man. They're saying he gets pissed in the dark and all. They're absolutely going to town on him. Um, that Tony, so that was that pretty Tony funny. Harrison, Tony Harrison's been dogging me fucking ho-ass Charlo for about three months now, man. It's been brilliant to watch it. I hopefully he pulls it off because Charlo's going to end up oh, crying yeah. if it does. Like. Oh, yeah, no. That'd be, the, that'd be a perfect December ending like Maidana Broner. But, um, but fucking, um, I had to give one as well to Tim. 
Timothy Bradley. I know we mentioned it earlier. Timothy Bradley, pull your big boy pants on and get in the <laughs> ring with Terrence Crawford. You little shit, you. You fucking should know just how, how, how hard it is to make those fight scenes as you fought everybody that was on top rank after you re-signed with, with Aaron. Everybody yeah. you fought was on top, on top rank. Manny, Provodnikov, fuck couldn't off, fight, Tim, will you? Couldn't he, couldn't he fight Amir Khan because Gary Shaw wouldn't allow the fight to happen, so he had to wait until the contract ran down and before he signed up with, with, with Bob Arum. So he kens himself how fucking hard that is. Even Andrew Ward looked at him and was like, oh, you're on your own here, man. And I wouldn't mind, he's actually pretty good at calling the fights, but fucking hell, man, that is shocking, like. Absolutely shocking. Like even Crawford must be embarrassed with that. Like I know they're, they're buddies, but like he'd be looking at him like Shh, you're doing too much, man. Shut up, will you? Like, and I had another one, but I can't remember it now, so we might as well go on. Yeah, we'll forget about that one then. Uh, Jason Chuck, we're in the oh, chat. Oh, 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 no, 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 he thinks that the fucking general election is every year. <laughs> and secondly, he thinks that the fucking conservatives and the Tories are two different parties. That's because he's got one foot in the streets and one foot in the industry. Oh, Harry Davies. He sounds to me, I'm not saying, I'm not insulting the guy's intelligence, but he sounds to me like a stupid person trying to sound intelligent when he talks just because he speaks slowly. The fucking dim shit. So, um, yeah, oh, Harry Davies has to get one as well. Was he breathing through his two noses at the time, eh? <laughs> <laughs> he hasn't got enough oxygen going to his brain. Anyway, there's something wrong. <laughs> yeah, it might have been on the troll. Uh, Jason has nominated Adi Oladipo, whoever that is, no idea. I only um, I only recommend Dippo Osho. Uh, Curly Watts, Peter Fury article on Sky Sports, bigging up Kubrat Pulev as AJ's next opponent as well, has also been nominated. Right, let's go through... The uh, let's go through the no- we've done the nominations so let's get on to it then shall we I'm going for Smigger this week putting his agenda up ready for a scrap Ozzy who are you going for uh, I'm going for Danny Williams actually Danny Williams putting in a sick note dog out my homework Gabe who are you going for I, I don't know uh Donny? Oh, there's several good ones. I'll, I'll go with... Um, uh, I'll go with Denny Williams. I, I don't know. There's, there's a lot of good ones. Gabe might fail a test tonight. He's on the old Volta roll. Rapping Rob Kelly, who's getting your vote? Bradley. Sorry, sorry Bradley. Outrageous this week. Tim Bradley, it's all down to you, Andrew. Make it happen. Who wins? Uh, VG Raw Davis. <laughs> It's a four-way what? tie. What? So it's not you, Steve. You need to get to the side and vote, mate. Um, yeah, we're good for Javonta. Why not? He's got a. He's got. He's he's going through a tough time in fight camp, trying to get the weight off at the moment. And there was a Leonard Ellaby nomination talking about him as well. So we give it to E Javonta Davis, old tank himself, looking like a tank. Congratulations, you're the Bell of the Week winner for episode three hundred and fifty-three. A couple of questions from Ryan Deal and Matt Dobson, including Hall of Fame. Good questions. Want to do them justice? We're finished up for tonight. We'll throw them in next week. Thank you to everybody who's been on. All you guys in the chat, vibrant chat tonight. Uh, I think there's been at one point the chat was up to nearly seven thousand listeners. So fairly getting the numbers in these days. Uh, Rapping Rob Kelly was on with us. Good to have him on. Gabe Lewis as well. Ozzy Smith, Andy Patterson. Thanks to Joe Kennedy who was live and exclusive at the fights last night. Get him on again soon. I've been Steve Wellings. We'll catch you all again next Monday evening, the twenty third of December, eight o'clock. We'll see you all then. Bye.
Social Podcast Network.